This is no agenda. With Adam Curry and Jesse Dvorak. Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. It's Sunday, April third, two thousand eleven. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination episode two nine or two. This is no agenda. Free speech, it's a great idea, but we're at war here at the Hilltop Watchtower Crackpot Command Center in Gitmo Nation West, the People's Republic of Southern California. Yay, in the morning, everybody. I'm Adam Curry. And from Gitmo Nation Glass Buildings, I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill. In the morning. Gitmo Nation Glass Buildings. I've got glass buildings everywhere I look. <laughs> On the road again, eh, my friend? I'll tell you, you know, I'm in New York City, which is also Gitmo Nation glass buildings, and uh, there's a bunch of clouds flying around, and they're reflecting off the glass buildings, and it's actually quite a, quite a sight. You sure it's not persistent jet contrails? These are big old cumuluses. <laughs> a couple of nimbuses are flying by. So what's the deal, man? Why are you in New York? Uh... Well, it's my daughter's uh, spring break, and she had a choice of doing a bunch of different things. And uh, let's see, Cancun with my friends, getting drunk and running around naked, or she's in high school. Go to New York with my dad. Let me think. Hmm, which one shall I choose? She uh, is looking at colleges, and so I have to drag her around because she's visiting various places she wants to go. And I'm, yeah. and it's just basically. Uh, uh, I'm just seeing dollar signs flying oh, past yeah. my. Oh yeah. I'm, yeah. I expect to be broke after. Yeah, uh, it's, it's the joy of parenting. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. So she's uh, here looking at some places, and in the process, uh, since she's in performing art, she, uh, you know, we have to go see a few plays. Ooh! So I actually saw we saw a couple so far, and we're going to uh, try to see Spider Man. Yeah, that's that's what we want the review of. Yeah, well, actually, the the the, the most interesting play. If I just get off of a, a slight uh, tangent here, which I think uh, helps me appreciate why people like our show, was a it was the opening uh, of the preview uh, of uh, which it was a big hit play in London called Jerusalem, mm-hmm. and Jerusalem's about and and everybody was kind of and I think the audience liked it, but I think there was a lot of Anglophiles, and I'm not absolutely sure, but I don't and my wife liked it and my daughter liked it, but. I think uh, they didn't quite get it until I explained to them, uh, based on when uh, during our uh, uh, moments of uh, deconstructing Great Britain and the drunkenness, uh, <laughs> futility of life, and all the rest of it, right. is extremely well uh, explored in this play. It's a de- very depressing play about essentially uh, drunken British youth. And, <laughs> and that and was my life for fi- that was my life for five years. I don't need to see the play. I got the T-shirt and the DVD. It's a really, it's a very, uh, uh, I mean, it's just like, wow. I mean, they, they have everything from the petty, small-town bureaucrats. Mm-hmm. Uh, they explore that element and everything in between of, the, of what, you know, British life has become under the uh, Gitmo Nation auspices. Right. That it was, uh, uh, wow, I thought it was pretty hard-hitting. Hard uh, I mean, it was apparently a huge hit in Britain, so I guess they're, they're paying some attention. But it has a, it's a nihilistic, uh, very dark uh, view of things well while you're doing that i'm uh, here with two chicks in the house and had a nice uh, crepe uh, breakfast with uh, mimosas and uh you yeah, know you're you're living the life in yeah Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah we have miss uh, miss molly wood uh, staying for the weekend oh what's she up to hanging out with me in the hot tub 
Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. This is this is the, the donations, and I have to thank you. I <laughs> exactly. I have to thank you for introducing Molly to Mickey. That, what a what a stroke of genius, my friend. I have my moments. Yes, you do. <laughs> so, By the way, I see it. The way I see it, anyone or this, tall women seem to gravitate toward each other. It works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, about, all uh, kinds. Of, yeah, all kinds of benefit. Absolutely. So, um, uh, uh, now you being on New York time, did you watch any of the early morning uh, news talk shows? I ended up watching. There's a there's a bunch of screwy shows. They you know, New York does, New York is weird because, and I you, you have to come here every so often to realize how isolated it is from the the general American thought process. Yeah, unlike and, and, unlike California. Actually, I believe it is unlike California. They don't even have the California stuff going on. I mean, it's I mean California is maybe one step isolated, but I think New York is two. And in fact, I, I wonder if we even have any donors from New York. I, I mean, they're so not, isolated. Not many. That's, that's true. Not many. Yeah, they're so isolated that generally speaking, they don't even have, they don't even run a lot of syndicated stuff that California runs, you know, national shows and various kinds of, of I mean, for example, they have a, the only, I mean, the news in the, uh, in the morning is like, New, like New York One is a perfect example. It's just basically from New York, about New York, yeah. by New Yorkers. Yeah. Yeah. This morning's uh, talk shows the New York Times. They have some character who shouldn't even, you know, to be honest about, shouldn't be on television because he needs dental work and he doesn't wear, <laughs> and he wears glasses with no glare proof on him. So he's blasting you with the stage lights. What an it's amateur. Really- what an incredible amateur. It's not a matter of that. I mean, yeah. somebody's just got to tell him. But nobody bothers because you're in New York. So, I, so I, everything. Everything's just New York oriented, so you get you get completely isolated here. Ow! So I watched because um, uh, we were up early for the for the show this morning. I watched uh, Face the Nation, and yeah. um, it was the, and of course you know it's way too late to record any clips or anything. And uh, Lindsey Graham from uh, was he South Carolina? Is he a senator from South Carolina? That I think? guy is getting on my nerves. So he, yeah, he, he so so the, you know, they're talking about this bogus. Oh, we we beheaded people in Afghanistan because uh, some douchebag burned the Quran, and uh, and he literally said, I, and I'll get a clip from it for Thursday show. I'm sure he said, you know, free speech is a great idea, but we're at war. I'm like, what? <laughs> Did you really just? And he's running for president. You know, he has gotten worse over time. If he thinks he's even going to get any votes, he's got to be fooling himself to think he's running for president. The guy is, he's a total douchebag. Yeah. He's pro-war. He doesn't get it. You know, I, I, I mean, I'm sure there's a few people out there, who, you know, usually they're in the army and, and higher up, so they don't actually have to do any fighting. The, most people that are... Uh, have any experience with war don't aren't pro-war i mean it, this guy is like yeah, a, if, a, if you've actually been in a war you kind of tend to be against it if you've had like bombs dropping on your head and see your friends getting blown to bits you tend to have an aversion so the guy's like a warmonger he and he's and he's you know like you just said he's like against the constitution against free speech he's a conservative republican that's ridiculous he's not he's not really conservative in any sense of the you know any real sense in terms of like you know being a constitutionalist the guy's horrible i mean hopefully he'll figure that out when he gets no votes and when he tries to run uh as a in a primary so i did a little bit of uh, deconstruction uh and it kind of started uh i think it was actually right after the show uh, as promised the federal reserve released all of their secret documents which uh, turned out to be a 136 megabyte file of pdfs which is unbelievable and it's and still all redacted and this of course is the information that the uh wait a minute hold on why would you redact 
a banker statement. Oh, because they don't. Yeah, there's tons of stuff in there they just don't want us to know. And well, it, then what yeah. is this report? Well, well, the good news is there was enough in it to be meaty enough uh, to know that three point three trillion dollars uh, was lent from the discount window to uh, foreign banks. I mean, like all over the world, including uh, uh, a bank partially owned by Libya, duh. <laughs> and uh, and they also have the the TALF in there, which is the the toxic asset bailout. And uh, you know, you get like uh, these huge hedge funds from uh, Wexford, from Connecticut, which of course the CEO is an ex Goldman guy, duh. And uh, the uh, like employee hedge funds and stuff. It's just it, it was. <laughs> It'll never get reported properly because it's just it, it's too much. A, it's un, not interpretable for for the common man. I think because you know it's even hard to understand how the whole system works. Um, but then to see the ripoff, the blatant ripoff, where all of these guys just should have gone out of business, literally, and instead, no, no, no just borrow our money. So that that led me to, um, especially the Libyan bank thing, led me to a couple of uh, other interesting points. Um, the fact, well, actually, Ron Paul was on the clean, no, the uh, antiwar.com podcast. And uh, someone sent me a copy of it. And he said, so now knowing that the Fed will easily lend money to anybody, uh, including uh, banks partially uh, owned by Libya, and that they do it secretly. He comes up with, I mean, uh, if I ever kick the bucket, John, and he's not president, make him do the show because he'd be perfect for it. But listen to how he deconstructs the financing of the rebels. All right. Now, um, your colleague, uh, Representative Dennis Kucinich, uh, has gone on the record saying that this is impeachable. Do you agree with him about that? Yeah, I think it's impeachable in the, in the sense that uh, he disobeys the Constitution, but how many presidents have done that in the last hundred years or so? Um, it, it's uh, it's an offense that uh, is unconstitutional. Congress should take it upon himself. I don't imagine it's likely to lead, uh, you know, to somebody introducing a resolution to impeach him, because I think it would distract from, you know, something we can do more immediate, like denying all funding for the war, or make the Congress vote on this one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that certainly would be something to see, uh, the, the Congress uh, at least attempt to deny funding, but uh, Hillary Clinton made the statement uh, yesterday or the day before that uh, even if Congress did uh, refuse to, to uh, provide funding for it, that they would just ignore it under the plenary and inherent powers <laughs> of the presidency. Yeah. When you think about it, uh, how secret funding can occur, you know, through the Federal Reserve System, what does it matter? What does it matter that Congress is? We're, we're totally irrelevant. Uh, you know, just released figures said the Federal Reserve had loaned money to banks and other governments of $3.3 trillion. So, you know, if you need funding and the Fed created one, you know, and they set up a central bank, but the, uh, the rebels in Libya have already set up a central bank, so maybe we've loaned them. I'm sorry, I wonder if they've come to the discount window yet. <laughs> and I bet you that's exactly what's happening. I'm sure of it now. Yeah, they just, they just roll up to the discount window. Hey, hey, it's Muhammad here. Hey, man, give me some money. <laughs> At a central bank. Yeah, yeah, with their central bank. It's amazing. Yeah. The central bank of uh, no agenda. Wow, wouldn't that be cool? We could borrow a couple trill. Yeah, we could build something. 
I got go uh, I got a call uh, yesterday from uh, a reporter, and and this is a testament to the show, which I'm quite proud of. A reporter from uh, Washington, the Washington Post. And what would you think of that newspaper, John? Are they okay? Well, it's it's compromised, but I, it, yeah, I find well, it to yeah. have a lot of it. It's well written. So the guy, um, Paul Fari or something, he says he knows you, actually. <clears throat> Does that ring a bell? Paul Fari? Sounds very familiar. Yeah. He says, uh, Adam, I'm doing this piece on Andy Carvin. And uh, I asked, and you know, Andy Carvin is the senior strategist at uh, the, the, our National Treasure NPR. And he's the guy that's collecting all the tweets and uh, and passing them through the organization as news. He says, uh, so I asked Andy, you know, does anyone kind of, you know, because he's a, as this reporter said, you know, Andy's like a little mini celebrity now. You know, he's, he's got the social media vibe. He says, with, uh, with all the hip kids. Oh, I, yeah, I know who this is. That's yeah. funny. And he says, uh, so uh, I asked Andy if there was anyone who uh, was critical of what you're doing. And your name was top of the list. <laughs> and I'm like, hmm, did I call him a douchebag? I probably did, didn't I? Well, I don't know. Play this jingle. I mean, it'll real jog my memory. Oh. Douchebag. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and I said, well, look, I got nothing against the guy personally, um, but, you know, for, and I have problems with, and I had to go back and explain. I said, you know, do you know what I do? Yeah, you're a blogger, you're the ex I said, no, no, uh, I'm not. Uh, so I had to explain about no agenda. And he said, yeah. Whoa. Whoops. Looks like we just lost all contact with reality. Okay. Well, there you go. The minute I start talking about him, they, they pull the plug on me. I, it's unbelievable. Is, is that a coincidence or what? You play douchebag and boom, they pull the plug. <laughs> it's like, cut him off now. Cut him off now. He's on to his stomach. <laughs> so, it, was, it was pretty screwy. Uh, it's par for the course. What's the guy's name again? Andy? And she, well, do you want the stream to go down again? No, and, just, I need to spell it. Andy Carvin, C-A-R-V-I-N. C-R-V-I-N. So, so, but anyway, he's like, you know, how? why do you think this is not good? And I said, well... Besides the problem that I have with NPR, commercial organization, you know, is they have underwriters, which they call advertisers, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and I went into that a little bit with them. I said the whole fact that uh, that that uh, this these tweets are being taken from a centralized commercial organization, unvetted as news, while the Secretary of State herself has said she has techno experts, <laughs> techno experts, who are tweeting in Farsi. You know, there's there's so much room for uh, disinformation. I mean, th- and this is seeping into a news organization. I have to say, the right, guy- and, they're, they're, and they're not discussing it. And don't forget that Cass Sunstream is the, is the <laughs> Sunstream. who's in the organization, would, whose powers is wa- husband, who's who's associated with uh, Hillary, has been advocating this sort of the indoctrination, uh, the infiltration of, of of all of this. Yeah, so that so I wouldn't believe one tweet that they reported on, and so this guy, so he was our, our reporter friend was shocked by this. Well, I have to say, he said, you know, I never thought of it that way. I said, this is the problem. It's the whole fanboyism. Is no one's questioning this? You can't even vet uh, this stuff technically because you don't know what IP address it's coming from. You have no idea. It could be coming right from the State Department, from Washington. He says, yeah, but it might not be true. I said, exactly. I said, you're making my point for me. Happy anniversary, darling. 402 years. I love you so much. Uh, Thank you very much. I, I know it's coming up, <laughs> yeah. but you don't have to get too mushy. I'm sorry. Um, 
So, yeah. So, anyway, the funniest thing is at the end of this, and who knows what's going to wind up in print. He says, oh, so... Uh, nothing. No, no, what, wait. I what's going to wind up in print. Nothing. He says, uh, so what do I call you? I said, uh, well, I'm a media assassin. He says, oh, yeah, but I need something that, uh, you know, we're a, sto- <laughs> we're a stodgy old newspaper. I said, what, you, you have such disdain for your readers, they won't understand that? He says, no, actually, I'm talking about my editors. I said, okay, how about uh, media deconstructionist? He says, yeah, but, you know, can I just say blogger, media critic? I said, no. So why, so you're going to, Andy Carvin's title is senior strategist at NPR. You're going to print that as his title? Yeah. Well, what's the difference? I can be, if he's a, a senior strategist, I can be a media deconstructionist. And I just did that for you on this call. Anyway. It was, but it was funny because I think this no guy. No wonder you never get quoted. <laughs> I should have. I'm not with the pro, and I'm just trying to promote no agenda. I'm just trying to promote no agenda. You know, I, I, what was your title? Producer, no agenda. Yeah, I know. I'm a douchebag. Ugh, I'm so stupid. I, I don't know how to do it anymore. I got too much of a chip on my shoulder. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Oh well, it's okay. Oh well, I try. Get in eventually. Maybe you'll get another listener. <laughs> the one person who reads the Washington Post who has internet. <laughs> I got web. <laughs> I got AOL well, here. I got Facebook. I just, what is RSS? What is oh, a podcast? A podcast. Ah, uh, well. Anyway, did we have any support? Uh, yeah, we did. And after, I want to thank after, after my meltdown. I want to thank everybody for uh, all the lovely uh, messages you sent me. That was very kind. Yeah, well, you know, Adam seems to. Uh, of course, some people misunderstood what you were up to, thinking you were criticizing the audience when you were actually depressed about the Constitution. The fact, in fact, we actually made it worse by playing the Ron Paul thing because apparently, I mean, what he says is that well, nobody the Constitution. <laughs> no, no dead. Can, yeah, I know, but I'm over it now. It's like I've, I've I've been able to lift myself over that hump. But it was a wall that I hit so hard during the show. I'm like, it's just all over. And, you know, and now at least I've come to terms with it. And, you know, and now that I hear, uh, you know, future presidential candidates saying, you know, free speech is a great idea. Yeah, great <laughs> idea like, but who needs it? Who needs it? You know, like, so we might as well just run this puppy all the way into the ground, John. We're going as far as we can take it. Yeah, no, in fact, I think people have to realize that this show is uh, is not long for this world, uh, but we're going to keep doing it as long as we keep getting support. So, uh, and as long as, you know, they leave us alone, I, then they probably will as long as we keep our listenership, you know, from actually having, uh, well, I don't know what and to yeah, tell you, yeah. but let's and, and thank a, a few people. Ixnay on the Andy, a, Andy K. Arvinay. So uh, Stephen Vanderhoff in Belhaven, North Carolina is our, we're going to have a, uh, uh, two executive producers and uh, uh, one, two. Actually, with these old people have to be there. We have two executive producers and one, two. I, now, you have to excuse me because I'm scrolling back and forth and left and right on this laptop. One, two, three, four, five, four uh, co-executive producers and two associates. So we have a, a wow. good group. Good list. Stephen Vanderhoff, uh, Bellhaven, North Carolina, who gave us a, a very uh, generous Five, oh, it scrolls over to five, 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 sixty, five, sixty, uh, which is $464.60 for his knighthood, $111 for you know why. Hello, John and Adam. Looks like your mean book boots on the ground is spreading like wildfire throughout the media. That's <laughs> true. That? Everyone's talking about it. It's like, yeah, it's you know, wouldn't it be funny, John, if actually like everyone's listening to this show, you know, kind of. <laughs> Like, you know, they're all at, uh, walking through the, the Pentagon and through the, the, you know, through Capitol Hill, like, 
Oh, man, did you hear them? Did you hear him talking about if boots on the ground? If there's a guy in the Pentagon listening to this show, I would like to send, just send me an anonymous note saying, yeah, I'm, of course, not anyone can do it. Never mind, that doesn't count. Uh, so anyway, so he's going to be uh, a knight, which yes, is a good thing. Should be David Dolson, uh, Houston, Texas, 33333. Uh John and Adam, longtime listener and couple-time donor, heard the Thursday show and felt a little bad. Adam got burned about the negativity in the chat room. It was more than that. Yeah. So to bring the spirits up further, my goal of night and my goal of knighthood, please send some karma to Adam. Give yourself some karma. Oh, well, that's very nice. Thank you so much. You've got karma. Yay! Or his dream about RVing across the U.S. I've watched C-SPAN, and anyone who hasn't has no idea what you guys go through. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I went through another two and a half hours of uh, testimony about Libya, and, I, and my head was exploding. Yeah, it was literally like gook, gunk coming out of my ears. And then we have a bunch of 300 Club, new 300 Club members, Sir Adam Burkpile in Arlington, Washington. Oh, he's from the Pocket No Agenda app. Exactly. He was donating to get Adam out of the pissy mood he was in on Thursday. See, you, you maybe you should get moody more yeah, often. I should try that, yeah. It's like to mention the new version of the Pocket No Agenda, which is a great app, by the way, with the Game Center support that scores who listens to the stream the most. Wow. Hey, Game Center, that, that's like a whole social thing with the Game Center thing. I got to get that now. That's cool. I like that. This is very, this guy's good. Uh, and the most, and the, you Let's see. Who listens to the stream the most earns achievements for listening to the stream and has multiple show push notification support. So if wow. you ask people to turn on the optional ads, that would be great. Awesome. So that's, that's awesome. Uh, Bill Hertha, Thornhill, Ontario, $300. Dwayne Melikon, Sir Dwayne Melikon, let's get that straight. Also a member of the 300 Club, ITM guy, Sir Dwayne here, just a few episodes behind and just listening to episode 288. That's more than a few. Sure. I wanted to donate because uh, that was the, the the kind of show that got me hooked on No Agenda when I first discovered the show. I don't remember 288. Uh, I don't remember either. It's probably uh, just like 287. Probably more like 289. Uh, also, I sent my ring size but didn't get a reply, so I'm not sure you got it. I think so, probably. I'm not sure. But it's 12.5 for Eric to shill if he doesn't have it on his list. Uh, and then Dwayne Melikon, Sir no, Dwayne no, Melikon. We just did Dwayne. Oh, just did Dwayne. Got to scroll down. Yeah, you're, well, Sean, you're, on the, you're on the laptop. We, yeah, we'll let you slide. Sean McGrath, Jersey City, uh, Jersey, another member of the 300 Jersey. Club. Uh, <laughs> rabbit. Squirrel. Uh, <laughs> <No. laughs> oh, I thought it was Rabbit. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> Need some karma for the new Mac address book extractor from GroovyTree.com. Oh, well, well, let me hand that out for him then. You've got karma. I'm available in the Mac App Store. Use it to export your Mac address book to a file so the NSA can't find <laughs> it. All right. Excellent. It also allows you to import into Gmail, which is the NSA. Yeah, really. So what kind of round robin you doing? Hotmail and Outlook and Yahoo. I would take a little aside here. So I'm at the airport. We're flying to New York. Family, right? And who's yeah. standing there with his wife? Bill Gates. Uh, no, er, no, Eric Schmidt. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah. So I went but over I, and chatted I, with. But I thought he has uh, he has his own plane and everything. Well, well apparently uh, now that this was his last that that was his last day at Google. Oh, because he's no longer at Google, so all the perks uh, go away. He's working for the government. Is that, is Boy, that it's already he in? Could have, he could have taken the jet if he wanted to. I'm sure of it. But wait a minute. Is, is, does he already have the gig? 
No, by get, but he seems confident. In fact, he's flying to New York to go back and forth from New York to Washington and New York to Washington and New York to Washington oh, for some right. reason. Yeah, for some NSA-related reason. I threw that at him because I wrote a column suggesting that Schmidt would be the the best choice for a you know head of security NSA CIA something like that and he thought it was an, he thought I was an idiot so that's <laughs> did, did he say did he look at you and go you're an idiot <laughs> he never said I was an idiot but he looked at as though I was and did you and did you say hey cool man that you tried to hide your Google results for your donation that was awesome <laughs> come on John I I, I would never. I gave him a, a, a no agenda show card because he's never heard the show. <laughs> right. Oh, well, hold on a second. Hey there. In the morning. How you doing, Eric? <laughs> he might be listening. He might. He might. Uh, but, and another aside, where we were mentioning the show card, which I have a bunch, I give them to cops now. And uh, so I'm sitting at a, a little cafe, a Dean and DeLuca cafe here in Manhattan where my wife's getting a cappuccino. Luckily, she was at the time. And this very attractive uh, 20-something girl comes up, and she kind of sheepishly walks up, and she stands there, and she says, Are you John C. Dvorak? Really? And I said, Yeah. She says, In the morning. No, really? And she was hot. My daughter was there. She can testify. (laughs) Absolutely. And and she was hot? She was very, yeah, she was hot. Oh, what was her name? I don't know. I didn't get it. I was stunned. (laughs) You you, like near heart attack. Like, oh my god! Look at what the show was doing. No agenda. Yeah, look what the show was doing for me. (laughs) And like, uh, say, hey, come on my lap and let me tell you a story. I was just stunned that someone would (laughs) instead of saying hi, it was like in the morning. (laughs) That's great. All right, fantastic. That's my ribald tales of the day. Um. Okay, uh, Dale Thornton in Sydney, Australia, is in for two hundred ninety-two dollars. He's, he's a two hundred ninety. He's a co-exec. He's a oh, he's the two nine or two club member, right? Oh, yeah, and associate cool. executive producer. Oh wow! Uh, hi, John and Adam. Today, I joined the two nine or two club to make my first uh, down payment on the knighthood with a two ninety-two donation. You guys are down are my number one source of news and help me see through the lies. The lies, the I say. Lies. Dish- Dished up by the lamestream media. We'd greatly appreciate it if you could mention my iPhone app, Rogue Agent. It gives you a renegade spy's view of the world, allowing you to overlay explosions, rifle scopes, and night vision goggles <laughs> over the top of your everyday happy snaps. <laughs> I actually got it. It's hilarious. I got to show it on the big app show. It's exactly, hey, your happy snap as seen through a sniper scope. <laughs> it's really, here's your baby as seen through night vision goggles. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny yeah it is uh anyway he's got some uh crackpot image overlays too which allow adam to see ufos in the sky <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and he's also donating because he thought you were in a funk and he needed to do something about it rogue app tap rogue i'm sorry rogue agent app.com that's r-o-g-u-e agent app.com and that's anybody who's got a sick sense of humor will enjoy something like that and uh, finally, uh, Philip Fotenhauer. Fotenhauer. Got to be Fotenhauer in yeah. Tampa. Tampa, Florida. Uh, John and Adam have been listening to the show for two weeks. Only two weeks, but had to donate. Best show on the net. Aww. You guys are hilarious. Yeah. Please accept <laughs> payment of two twenty two twenty two toward my future knighthood and hit me with a D-douche. Absolutely, my friend. <laughs> You've been D-douched. Right on. And okay. that's it. 
And that will uh, wrap up our uh, executive and associate executive producers for this show. I want to thank everybody who uh, contributed, especially the executive producers today. And uh, as you know, these are official, real credits. It's no more or less. Actually, it's a little bit more, I think, than the Hollywood credits you see on TV shows or here on our national treasures. Um, You can put them on your business cards and your email signatures on your IMDb. And unlike those phonies in Hollywood, we will absolutely vouch for you. Remember one place to help us out. Dvorak.org slash N-A. Just a couple of PR mentions. The uh, bullshit filter is uh, has now has a new Safari extension. Thanks to computer Matt. Uh, Matt S. uh, Computer Matt in the chat room. And the links in the show notes. uh, Nogendershow.com or SeanHannity.com. Uh, crackpotcommand.com slash bullshit filter. Uh, that essentially turns all your browsing pleasure into uh, no agenda delight. It turns all those. So uh, just as an example, um, Janet Napolitano's name will show up as Lucy Napolitano. It, it just tickles you all the time. Yeah, because we actually give them the names they really should be having. They should have these names. Yeah, that's what they, <laughs> that's what, it's the not, they come out of our mouth, oh, that, obviously that's what she should <laughs> Yeah, they're fitting. They're very fitting. Fitting, that's the word. And uh, evolvingthreats.com now also uh, forwarded to noagendashow.com. And I want to uh, ask people to start thinking about forwarding domain names to our No Agenda News Network, noagendanewsnetwork.com. Uh, big corner churn on the software. The new interface is in. If you're interested in contributing, um, uh, just shoot me an email. Make sure you put No Agenda News Network in the subject line. And if you just want to follow along, it's updated 24 hours a day, every five minutes almost. I mean, it's always something new because we have producers from all around Gitmo Nation. Uh, and it also, the, your contribution helps uh, produce the show as well. Uh, so send that off if you don't mind. And everybody else out there, you have a very simple mission. By now, you should know there is a formula which needs to be propagated. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. I, I don't want to go back to the donations, but I'm going to have to mention something. Oh. Uh, that okay. We did get a, a wire, wire transfer in from uh, David Horbeck III mm-hmm. for 33333, so he becomes another, the third executive producer for today's show. And he has a couple of requests. This took a while for this transfer to come through. Uh, one is uh, some karma. Okay, hold on. I got that here. You've got karma. Yeah, David Horbeck the third. He wanted to make sure he said that, but he's the one who wrote the WTC seven won't go away jingle. Oh, really? Oh, well, crap. Now I got to go find it because it's wait. Uh, oh, he's, been, he's requesting you either if you still have it. Well, yeah, uh, either it. The, no, if you still have the long version. Well, you know what it is. It's uh, I, I think it's actually from a song or something, and uh, it's the acapella version. And so uh, I always cut it off after you know the first WTC seven, you know, whatever, because it just takes so long. But if I could just find it here for a second, I, I know I have it, uh, but I haven't played it in such a long time. Say something while I look for it. Well, anyway, so he's uh, wondering whether I didn't know there was a long version, but he uh, says you can play at the end of the show, maybe, which would be kind of cool, instead of having to scrounge for it right now. And uh, he. Uh, 
He, and anybody out there who is outside of the country, especially, can't seem to get uh, a donation in. You can use a wire transfer. We do have the information. Just somebody send me an email, johnadvork.org, and I'll send you all the details of uh, how to do a wire transfer. Uh, and if you want to just send us a check, you can do that too, which is uh, listed on the no agenda uh, dot com slash uh, I'm sorry Dvorak dot org slash na page and also uh, noagendanation dot com slash na and uh, you can also click to uh, the donation site from uh, noagendashow dot com. Okay, you are such a professional. I have located said jingle and uh, it should be. Oh, Jesus! Opening an iTunes, <laughs> really, really, really opening an iTunes, really. <laughs> I hate that. WTC said it won't go away. That's it? I don't know how to tell my baby. And that's why I always cut it off there. Because of oh, that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it needs to be tightened up. But he says that WTC7 per- is a personal pet peeve of his. Yeah, well, and rightly so. I'm down with you, my brother. Hell yeah, we're coming up on the 10th anniversary. Okay, Tenth onward. Yes, onward indeed. So, um, bad news, you've got no clips. Yeah, my clip machine uh, fell apart and I didn't get any clips, so I'm, I'm out of clips. I don't have any clips. I, there's, I wish I was one of these hotels, which is really dis- distressing, is you'll see a clip go by, but you don't have a... They haven't put DVRs in the rooms yet, right? Right, right. right. This is what you need, because you got to stop it and go back and clip it. But So, um, well, luckily, luckily... Luckily, I have some longer clips, um, and uh, some of them I think would be quite interesting to listen to. This first one that I actually wanted to roll out, you know, let's just stick with, uh, what is the news of the day again? Oh, yes, uh, Charlie Sheen's concert tour sucks. Yeah, that's the, that's the main news. I'm sure, huh. yeah, oh, yeah, people are booing him for his concert. <laughs> booing him. <laughs> yeah, duh. <laughs> you returning the money? Duh. Yeah, duh. Um, but Russia yeah. Today is really on a rampage. They are so out to discredit everybody and everything about this war. And of course, Russia and China, both on the Security Council of the United Nations, are uberlords, who we are now the bitches of. Um, uh, you know, they, they abstain from voting on, the, on this whole Libya business. And, you know, the propaganda war is on. But very interesting, this... Um, Reporter Susan Lindauer, she uh, she reports she's in Washington, but I guess up until 2003, uh, she was actually uh, Libya was her beat. Well, can we stop for a second? There? I want to just give everybody a little piece of background, which is that if if you recall when this Libya thing was first break, in fact, even the Egypt, all this stuff breaking in the Middle East, the Russia Today and the and the news and the blogs and the Russians that are in uh, in the Middle East, and we were reporting on this. On this show, they were saying there was nothing going on. Yeah, no, of course. I mean, it, it, all of it's propaganda. All of it. There's nothing. The only thing that's that kind of might have some validity is here, <laughs> just a little bit. Who knows? We get duped all the time. Yeah, but this, but this woman comes out, and so she followed Libya. Uh, she was uh, it was her beat, and um, I think she she might she once in a while she slips into a kind of a, an accent. It sounds like she's even a Russian spy, um, but she lays into the whole reason behind this and completely pulls out the Lockerbie thing, which I thought was fantastic. And she has a lot of details that I think uh, we should listen to. Without having thought it through, as you say, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> it, it, this was. 
No, I know. That was sincere, right? She's like, <laughs> you got to be nuts. Let me tell you the real story, douche. It's very badly done. Uh, I will tell you that because of because of my knowledge of the Lockerbie issue, last summer uh, we began to hear some very interesting gossip about Gaddafi. We be- I love how they keep throwing guns in all these reports. You know, whenever, whenever we're talking about Libya, we just got to have guns rattling in the background. It's getting, yeah, getting a little everybody's annoying. Everybody's doing that. Yeah, it's very annoying. It's it's this it's it's a distraction of some sort. It's obviously trying to trigger a you know when you're when you're listening to something and when and watching or hearing gunfire, it's yeah. going to change the way your brain works. <laughs> yeah, you think just a little, maybe, but not, but it really comes apparent when you don't watch the video. All right, so let's continue. And to hear that Gaddafi was pressuring U.S. and possibly British oil companies, and it may also extend to French and Italian oil companies, all right? And Gaddafi was pressuring U.S. oil companies to reimburse Libya for the cost, for the payments uh, to the families of Pan Am 103. You see, there is this, this very important detail that, li- that Libya had nothing to do with Lockerbie. No, hell Hello, important detail. <laughs> Just a little detail. They had nothing to do Look, with how it. Long have we been, how many years have we been talking about that possibility? Since, since the beginning of the show. And this exactly. whole, and the whole Magrahi thing and everything. So it makes a lot of sense what she's saying if you think back in time where, you know, this guy had to, you know, they had to, he had to, they had to let him free. And, you know, oh, yeah, it's because he has cancer or whatever. The guy's still, you know, jumping around on his pogo stick. Who knows what's going on with him? He's not dead as far as we know. And uh, you know, and and listen to the details she has about how much money Libya had to pay to the uh, uh, victims of Lockerbie or the families of the victims of Lockerbie. And, uh, the, and and the United Nations had imposed sanctions on Libya and forced Libya to pay damages to the families, two point seven billion dollars, and they had wrecked Libya's economy with sanctions. And now, last summer, we began to hear that Gaddafi was pushing the oil companies for reimbursements of the costs to the Libyans. You're saying that's what triggered this now, are you? Yes. By the way, this guy starts cutting her off. Now she's and you're like, like she's getting too crushed. She's off the, she's off the reservation. Off the reservation, yeah. Yes, I do believe that. It's very significant, I believe, that in October. Do you hear that? Sounds like a Russian. I believe. Oh, no, she sounded like a Russian Total earlier. Yeah. October, Chevron and Occidental Petroleum pulled out of Libya. Okay, now. Uh, Italy, France, uh, the, uh, Britain, and China, Germany, all those countries are still in Libya. Okay, those countries are still there. But the United States pulled out, and I believe that uh, the, at that point, the United States began to think that there, they needed to do something to remove Gaddafi because he was going to continue to demand uh, behind the scenes, he was going to demand that, that uh, Libya receive compensation for the sanctions that they suffered wrongfully for 12 years. So, so the way I see this, and you know, of course, we've we've looked at a lot of these angles. So, uh, our belief uh, from the evidence that we have, or the uh, the uh, documentation, is that it was a CIA flight. There was drugs on board. A CIA team. Talking about Lockerbie. Yeah, Lockerbie. Um, and it, it they had to cover this up. And there's more going on in Lockerbie. There's all kinds of pedo bear stuff involved with this as well. But I'll just put that to the side. Um, the the CIA had to cover this up. So they blame Libya, blame Gaddafi and his uh, henchmen, 
And uh, and of, and of course, the whole world goes crazy about it. Oh, this is nuts! So he's got to pay this money back, and this is not sitting pretty with uh, Gaddafi. And so maybe this is just a Gaddafi CIA war, which makes sense now that we have CIA boots on the ground. It's well, obviously. Well, obviously, if we're going to stick with that theory, which I think is the right one, and anyone who wants to verify or look at this in more detail, go back into newspaper archives for all the papers in the UK from the from the crash itself for about a year and a half. Uh, those papers explored the situation and came up with most of this, the, the the real facts that were covered up, and then they then they explored the cover up, and then the whole thing became a joke, and. Uh, and the way I see it, they, they blamed it on Qaddafi because he was already involved with terrorism and they wanted to get him off the terrorist track anyway. And he was the guy like, you know, he's not going to be kicked out of power or anything for this. And it was just, I think the whole thing was just a, okay, here's what we're going to do. And they set up a scenario saying, we're going to blame you, but don't worry about it. You're going to be protected from it, you know, after, uh, yeah, you know, ex- whatever. That's exactly what they said to Milosevic. Don't worry, man. We got your back. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, anyway, uh, and, and then meanwhile, they, they probably packaged up the real evidence, uh, which is what they were going to present when this guy was going to get a retrial in Scotland because they were going to retry, retry him. And then they were going to bring all this this information and in it was going to blow the lid off the thing. And said, no, 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 he's got cancer. Let's get him out of here and we won't have a trial. Right. I mean, the, the fact that they got rushed him out of there, yep. out of the blue uh, and he didn't have, obviously he didn't have cancer because he's still alive, at least, you know, life threatening. And uh, so the whole thing is just this fishy from the get go. And if people don't see it that way, and I think this woman, yeah, let's face it, there's a lot of people that know what really happened. And we don't, we don't, we just uh, deconstructed it. But it's, it's, it's very sketchy. It's very fishy. But what I do like is that uh, even based upon our, what some would call far fetched theories, uh, which I think there's enough that we're playing and showing and reading that we can point to. Uh, it, it gives me hope that there are actual good people around and that not everyone is always on board with all the program. It's not like a, it really isn't like the Bilderberg Club has all sat down and said, let's do this, yo. Um, you know, because the, clearly the UN got duped into, in, into all of this, where it was, essentially a CIA operation that had gone wrong. Um, and it just, it's, it seems like there's a lot of confusion, like not, not everyone's on board with the same program. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then more recently we, it's possible. I still think it's because the Libya and I'll stick with this has gotten in bed with, uh, the Chinese and the Russians for, for oil. Yeah, China mainly. We built a refinery which was somehow attacked for some unknown reason during this so-called, you know, skirmish. Yeah. The, and, oh, I'm sorry. The Chinese refinery blew up. Aww. So I mean, the whole thing is this is a, a setup. But you know, it's it is what it is. But we met. It looks like I mean, we've kind of bailed out. We've got. I don't. I don't understand the conservative mentality about this. By the way, oh, we have to take the leadership role because if anybody else does anything in the world and we're not the leaders, then we're diminished in the eyes of the world community, and it's going to be bad, and people are going to think Obama's a weenie, and we're going to get bl- bombed. I mean, they go going to get nuked from you know the fact that we. I would look at it from a more positive perspective, saying, "Look, we we got this thing where we want it." We sucker the NATO people and a Canadian to take it over and we get out of it because we got enough troubles of our own. 
Can we? Is that not a good thing? I don't get where we have to. Oh, we no, have to be the. I, I think you're missing money. I think you're missing one critical point: is that the military-industrial uh, complex is kicked into gear, and they're like, "Hell yeah, yeah, buy, buy some of my shite." And I think that's the big problem: is you know they're just seeing more money, more money, more money. So you know, and they've got so many of you know Congress in their yeah. Well, of course, it's their bread and butter. So they love that. We need more terror. We need more wars. You know, and this is what does it cost now? Like uh, five hundred uh, million a week, uh, three hundred million a week. Uh, uh, the Libya conflict. The last I heard. So there was more funny stuff um, in the media, and this was um, uh, amazing. Uh, the uh, on CNN, they they always have, you know they try to do the Fox thing where they get like the hot women, but they get the really 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 dumb brunettes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I mean, seriously, and you have to see the video of these two, and yeah. and, 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 and I don't want to sound I'm not unfriendly towards women at all, but this is, in fact this is so anti you know feminists should be outraged that women are being abused in this manner as symbols just to distract you uh, to, to not hear what's actually happening, and but they all pertain to be incredibly intelligent, and this one girl there's two and they're they're co-hosting this uh, interview with a former CIA guy. Who starts off, and I'm going to skip the whole first half. He starts off like kind of with the program, and it's all about boots on the ground. And then he turns on him, and he turns big time. And they and they're so they don't know what to do. And one of them has this like yellow, really yellow, summery frocky shirt on, sleeveless, you know, with frilly laces and everything. It's like, and the smoke is coming out of their ears because they can't figure it out. And listen how they try and shut the guy up. I'll give you a little bit of his, uh, as he goes, he also went off the rails. And this is happening more and more as, uh, of course, they had all of their uh, top anchors in Japan. Uh, so, you know, there's, we don't know where to put the people who can actually put a sentence together. Uh, so we've got all, it's fun watching television because everyone's an idiot. There was a U.N. resolution and that didn't work. Aerial bombing has continued and has impact, but it hasn't defeated him. Now we're at the stage where... We're going to try to apparently try to train and arm the resistance. That takes a long time. I don't know if we have that time against Gaddafi. What what we're seeing is the president being put putting himself into a corner where his only option is ground troops. But that's something that is not this. That's something that no one says that they want to do in this administration. I mean, they they simply don't want to do that. They want well, they don't. Well, the, the the choice may come down to admitting that it was a mistake and being defeated in the sense that Gaddafi survives, or putting ground troops in. Nations are a lot like people. They don't like making uh, admitting to mistakes, and uh, maybe they don't want to put them in. But when it comes down to looking defeat in the face, I wonder. You know, you led CCA's unit that tracked Osama bin Laden 1996 to 1999, and, and you believe that uh, much like that situation, America's involvement in Libya could prove to be a recruiting tool for extremists. Why? Oh, oh it's absolutely a recruiting tool. It's it's the American-led West attacking a Muslim country that has they've oil. They've been very careful to say it's not the American-led West, that NATO has now fully taken over the operations. Um, uh, well, uh, that yes, may our fool. firepower was used in the beginning, but that this is uh, a coalition that includes Arabs. I, I love how she's, she's read the report. Like, <laughs> really reading from a script. Oh, no, talking yeah. points. Yeah, no, there's a guy type who can barely type as fast as he has to so she can read it. Ugh. That may fool some Americans. Uh, it's not going to fool the people who sympathize with bin Laden and other Islamists. 
This is really a U.S.-led operation. And you talk about the Arab states that are involved. The Arab states are tyrannies that are hated by their own people. This is a this is a piece of theater set up by Mrs. Clinton and Mrs. Mr. McCain and the, the bipartisan. <laughs> All right, whoops, whoops! Oh my God, what what theater? What Wait, you can't say that about Lucifer Clinton? No, no, no. Group no. that loves to intervene abroad in the Muslim world. This is Americans killing Muslims again. And it looks like it's for oil. I, I, I just want to ask, are you trying to have it both ways and saying that, okay, these are tyrannies that hate their own people? Well, that's why we're helping, because in Libya, it was the people that wanted Gaddafi out, that they were tired of it. So weren't we then supporting uh, Islamic democracy, I guess you could say, in these countries where they're tired of totalitarian rule? <laughs> if we were supporting Islamic democracy, that would be one thing. But if you listen to Mrs. Clinton and especially the rather crazed Miss Rice at the U.N., <laughs> this is all about democracy in a world where, where democracy is not going to take hold. Wait, wait, I can just hear the guy in the IFB. Get him off, get him off, shut up. <laughs> shut up. I think it's very clear, Michael Scheuer, that you are no fan of this policy and this administration. I, I think calling uh, Ambassador Rice crazed is, is certainly a, 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 a significant charge. I don't know. I've just listened. To a charge? A charge? A charge? <laughs> a charge, really? It's not a charge. It's just a, a valid observation. Where, you know, that's only my impression. And I have to say, this is not a Democratic problem. This is a Republican problem, too. Both parties love to intervene in other people's business where there are no U.S. interests at stake and where we spend enormous amounts of money at a time when we're nearly bankrupt. Get them off! That doesn't seem to me to be a wise practice of American and statesmanship. That's, and that's Get a whole other story. That it, we, it, it, to call the United States bankrupt, the United States is running humongous deficits, yes, but the economy and this mission in Libya are, are two separate <laughs> issues. They're not separate issues, ma'am. You're just carrying the water for Mr. Obama. I'm certainly not carrying anyone's water. and, and that I have a water head, but I'm not carrying anyone's water! And I, I will assure you of that. Michael Scheuer, thank you so much for your time. Um, we, you know, we've had a very long, exhaustive interview. You had plenty of time to give your point of view on that. Uh, we're going to be right back. It's 38 minutes. Thanks, Michael. Idiots. She's, she's terrible. Unbelievable. She is. Well, this Scheuer guy's been around for a while. He's been me. He he first showed up. He's on almost every documentary done about 9/11, and he's almost on everything done about Oba, about right. uh, Osama. And he was the CIA. Uh, he was a part of some group called the the terrorist or or Osama bin Laden division or some horse crap, and supposedly retired. And I've always wondered whether or not he's still working for him uh, in some way, shape, or form because he. He d tends to be – he's a very, very yes, sir, no, sir kind of overly uh, – uh, uh, and you're with too, too little com – you know, too complimentary as you're being interviewed, yes, right. sir, no, sir, saying. And he is uh, – he's baffled me. He's done a couple of books and uh, – or one at least uh, about why we could – how we could have gotten Osama and we didn't and all the rest of it. And he comes on a lot of these shows and uh, – well, I guess you can figure out now what, what side he's on with it. Yeah. But I don't, is that the CIA's position? I don't, I, I don't know. I, I did find out something that is really important when it comes to the lies. Uh, so, so what is so? Okay, forget all the all the breaking the Constitution, etc. What is being heralded by uh, Lucifer Clinton and by George W. Obama and uh, what's Rice's name? Uh. Well, I, it's funny her name is Rice because like, you want to say Condoleezza. Yeah, you do want to say Condoleezza, but that's not correct. They say Condoleezza too. You could say uh, 
Right. I don't know what to call her. Beelzebub Rice. All right. Call her Rice. Right. Rice. All right. Rice. So they're all saying, well, you know, the Arab League, the Arab League, they came to us. They begged the Arab League, the Arab League. Well, let me give you some details on the Arab League. Uh, There's 22 full members of the Arab League. When they took this vote for the no-fly zone, only 11 were present, which is not (laughs) even a quorum. And apparently, uh, Syria and Algeria were against it. So they uh, probably were coerced. But if you look at it, really only nine members of the Arab League wanted this. The others weren't even there. They probably didn't even get the memo. So it's, They weren't it's, invited. Yeah. They, it, no, they'd vote no. And that's uh, Asia Times uh, reporting that. Was Did it, you? Of course you can't get that here. What? What is the, uh, who were the nine that voted yes? Um, Do you have it? Uh, probably can't. Well, uh, six of them were Gulf Corporation Council members. Uh, if you have a second, I can probably bring this up. Let's see, uh, Asia Times. Yeah, but this is this is good stuff, you know. And it's like, and where where is our reporting on this? I have to get this from Asia Times, really. I'm not carrying any water for Obama. <laughs> I'm not carrying nobody's water. I don't care water. You got to clip that out and use it once in a while. <laughs> That's hilarious. I'm not carrying Obama's water. I won't do that. I'm not even starting with that. Let me see if we have... Uh, no, I don't have the... It's not in this report. Uh, it might be, but I I, I can't like okay, read the whole we're thing. We're going to put it on the next show. Because it would be interesting to know who the nine who exactly were. the nine were. Who, yeah. who abstained, who didn't show up, which is the ones... You know, those are the ones that are the... That, that whole thing is... Yeah, it's terrible. It's, now ugh, it's rigged. You think? Yeah, well, the, um, the winning. <laughs> what I also thought was really interesting, which does kind of go along with this. So how much money did uh, did we uh, steal? I mean, sorry, uh, freeze from uh, Libya and Gaddafi. How much money was it, John? The all-time record, $33 billion. Which, of course, is a magic number for us. But now what's so interesting is, uh, we come up with this uh, settlement now. You know, we also have a budget gap we have to close in the United States. And uh, uh, Joe O'Biden uh, comes out and says, you yeah, know, I've been talking to Billy Boy Boehner. And, uh, you know, we've come up with a number, uh, $33 billion in cuts. I'm like, hey. Coincidence? I think not. You think they're just going to take that $33 billion and fill the hole? Why not? You know, apparently, you, you know, Congress has got no uh, control over the purse strings anymore, and it's all a game of house of cards right now the, with the Federal Reserve, like you pointed out earlier. This is a, just a complete uh, fiasco. The way the money's being, it's like a bunch of, uh, it's like a bunch of crooked bookkeepers running the country. <laughs> and <laughs> and there's, there's so much more fun stuff coming out. Um, you know, we didn't... I noticed it, but we I didn't. We forgot to talk about it. The president's speech when he you know when he addressed the nation this very important because uh, everyone needs to know uh, came on at seven thirty, which is not the typical prime time slot for a presidential address to the nation. And CNN now reports that he actually you know had a conversation with the networks because you have to negotiate that with the networks, obviously. And uh, this was. Um, uh, ABC has Dancing with the Stars on at 8 o'clock, and so that's why the president went to 7.30. Oh, ABC, right, the, comprom- the you're, compromised you're- ABC com- network. Yeah. The ex, uh, White House guy working it, working there. No, his uh, his sister. His sister is uh, 
uh, George W. Obama's personal advisor. So I just thought this was interesting. You know, that's that's how important it is. Oh, well, we have to keep the slaves entertained, happy and distracted with Dancing with the Stars. So why don't we just do it at 730? That'll be fine. Uh. <sighs> okay. Now more depressing news. <laughs> it's not depressing. It's I, I'm I'm beyond that now. Now I think it's just funny. But we're in for a long haul, that's for sure. This guy's not going anywhere, and everyone's everyone's jumping for joy. We all we're all getting some money. It's all beautiful. So I <clears throat> got an interesting email from someone. Let's see if I can find it. <clears throat> but there was it's based on a he claims the, the bogus story. Uh, running in the uh, in the sun, April third of all places. Did I send you a link to this so it can be in the show notes? Uh, yes, you did. It was uh, wasn't it under a. Uh, yeah, it'll be in the show notes. Yeah, I have it. Okay, well, let me. I hate to do this, but this with this little machine, I'm ending up with. What, what kind of machine are you using there? It's a little Toshiba, but it's only got like a uh, the screen size is only uh, ten inches. It's about ten or eleven, yeah. and and the sound's not all that great either. Uh, I think it's probably the connection. Oh. John and Adam, I just wanted to say thanks for a great show. I lived outside Tokyo and was in central Tokyo at work during the earthquakes a few weeks back. And unlike some of the other foreigners, Gaijin, yes, the Gaijin, uh, which by the way are now being called the Flyjin, the Flyjin, <laughs> because they're flying away. He mentions that uh, this guy's a Brit. Uh, he says, the most obvious insulting piece of journalism came from the UK Sun newspaper. We're not expecting as much uh, as it is, but it's obviously link bait, and, and we have a link to this, this article in the show notes. And it's quite funny, especially the big headline, the headline which says, uh, it's got a picture of a frightened woman saying, Starving Brit Kelly, my nightmare, trapped in city of ghosts, Tokyo. <laughs> right. It goes on, the zombies, and there's no water, and there's, she's starving to death, this woman. He says the whole thing's a bunch of crap. He says uh, contradictions, factual errors. He says, firstly, her name and her husband's Fujiyama, Fujiyama is so stereotypical, suspicious in itself. Her husband is Ryu, which is, as a friend of mine pointed out, probably taken from a Street Fighter ga- game. Radiation level. <laughs> right. <laughs> I love it. Increase in Fujiyama where the damaged reactors are. Uh, he says that in, in Tokyo, the levels barely moved, and when they did, it was minimal and well within any definition of safe, and never reached 10 times any amount. He says it was bullshit. And he says for that, for the, for the week, Rome had higher ratings than Tokyo. Right. She claims she's a scene from a zombie movie. The streets were quiet, but she's not out of panic. People were waiting for what would happen next. There was food in the shops on the next day. She reported this, although bottled water was getting low. But the mains, water, gas, and electricity were on. Most of Tokyo was never blacked out. As a friend pointed out, why didn't she order Domino's? They were still delivering. (laughs) It was uh, Sir Mark, I think, uh, and Dame Astrid. We're saying, you know, the the the, the biggest problem. And by the way, not to diminish, there was a lot of, you know, a- absolute panic, and 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 people were confused. But in Tokyo itself, you know, he says, I think Sir Mark wrote me a note and said, you know, the the biggest problem, everyone's, you know, the biggest fears, we didn't have the right change for Starbucks. You know, it's like okay. Anyway, it goes on and on, which just indicates to me that the the reporting on this thing has been. You know, which we've always suspected has been a bit sensationalized. Even though it's a disaster of, of epic proportions, 
is that there's no reason <clears throat> I, I would ask this question you know what what is the point of making it seem worse to distract everyone from the uh, true atrocity which is going on in Libya amongst other places yeah I'm guessing that's I mean the, I, I have no other no I just don't have any other explanation it seems like the easiest thing to do you know that's one call right or that's actually three calls there's a call to ABC it's a call to CNN it's a call to Fox you know, it's like, hey, man, let's hype this let's hype this up. And then you know, it just goes down the chain. We've both worked at media companies. That's how it goes. We're off to Japan. This is what it is. And, and you know, and there's, and it, it all plays into each other. You get the, the anti-nuke people. Germany is freaking out. They have huge demonst- anti-nuclear uh, demonstrations yeah. now. The public is, gets riled up. By the way, I want to thank Graham Briggs for the, uh, for the note yeah. and link. But yeah, no, it's, it's it's ridiculous. There's something else very interesting happening with um, with news now, and this is from uh, Gitmo Nation down under. Uh, Jeff from Newcastle uh, sent this in. Adam, I heard his report last week on ABC Radio. That's the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. Uh, World Today Current Affairs Program interview with Ali. I looked the guy up. Uh, uh, Al Mujahid um, of the Yemen Post. Regarding the Yemen instability, and uh, he says, "Have a listen to this and tell." Him, I'm not going. I'm not going to give it away, John. It's 35 seconds. <coughs> so this is apparently a reporter in Yemen being interviewed by Australian radio. Tell me what you think of this guy, Ali Al Mujahid. Can Yemen's president survive now that one of his most senior generals, Ali Mossansali, has defected? After the announcement that the military has made. It seems very likely that the president will have to step down very, very soon. And I expect that to be within the next 48 hours. The only thing that we could say is basically the president right now is probably trying to figure out the best strategy for his exit. And that's why he sent the minister of foreign affairs to Saudi Arabia to negotiate some kind of deal for him to be able to leave the country. Now, I don't know if you can hear that on Skype, but that is not a guy. That is a computer voice synthesizer. <coughs> it's possible. It, it, I mean, listen. Okay, to now, with that in mind, can you play it again? Yes. Ali Al Mujahid, can Yemen's president survive now that one of his most senior generals, Ali Mossansali, has defected? After the announcement that the military has made, it seems very likely that the president will have to step down very, very soon. And I expect that to be within the next 48 hours. hours. The only thing that we could say is basically the president right now is probably trying to figure out the best strategy for his exit. And that's why he sent the minister of foreign affairs to Saudi Arabia to negotiate some kind of deal for him to be able to leave the country. The chat room got it right away. They're like, that's Doug. Doug is taking over. Doug is doing interviews. That's amazing. It, it, when, especially when he says hours. Now, I've listened to enough of these uh, synthesized speech things. That I, I mean, you just recognize it. I mean, it, it's the chat room saw it immediately. It's digital voice. That's 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 uh, you can make that come out of your Mac. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's really. If that's true. What? That's really bad. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's really. I'm dying here. Yeah. That's really bad. If that's true. Let me see. Yeah, I can do this. Hello, John. <laughs> I can do it immediately. Oh, it's so easy. Yeah, yeah. We, can we do should it. take that whole. We should take that whole 
speech. Somebody should take it. Uh, somebody should and, take and it, run it they, and run it through a, some speech synthesizer. Figure and write out which it down. One it was. Yeah. Write it down, and then you know change the wording just so it sounds right, and run it through various speech synth- synthesizers and see what we come up with. That's very interesting. It's possible. How is New York? It's not possible. I think it's I, well. Anyway, I I, uh, I think a very good observation there from uh, from Jeff. Hey, there was something else. Uh, oh boy, this is. Uh, I got to delve into this for a second. Uh, what do I always do uh, on Sundays, John? You watch C-SPAN. <laughs> no, 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 no. I always watch uh, our president's uh, reality oh, show. Right, that stupid thing you keep watching. The West Wing Week, yeah, which was, uh, the title of it this week was Under the Blue Whale. Under the Big Blue Whale. And there was nothing in it, uh, nothing to get. Uh, but I do have a minute uh, here from our uh, our uh, president, George W. Obama's uh, um, address to the nation. And it's all about the Clean Energy Partnership. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. I love that. Hello, everybody. <laughs> he's, a, Hello, everybody. He's, a, he's a UPS. Sounds like Elvis. He's, he is. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. I'll be here all week here on UPS. <laughs> so he's at a UPS uh, distri- distribution uh, plant center. And he's on location with his little show. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. everybody. I'm speaking to you today from a UPS customer center in Landover, Maryland. Yeah. Where I came to talk about an issue that's affecting families and businesses just like this one. The hookers be too expensive. The rising price of gas. Ooh. And what we can do as a country to reduce our dependence on foreign oil. Ah, there it is again. Now it's the dependence on foreign oil. So you know there's a scam coming. You know, you can already feel it. So I'm ready and waiting for it. This week, I released a blueprint. Mm. John, did you see the blueprint? No, no, I didn't. But can I ask you a quick question and ask Adam, see if you can get it? <sighs> An actual, but it's in the middle of the presidential address. I mean, that's. Well, that's, let me just ask well, you. Hold then. on a second. Much- hold on. Hold on. <laughs> All right, ask Adam. What per, uh, what percentage uh, in, in terms in the uh, expressed as a fraction do we uh, import oil wise? How much do we have local? How much do we pump ourselves, and how much do we import? I would say we import thirty percent. Oh, that's interesting. Is that wrong? No, we import two thirds. Sixty percent. Sixty-six point six six. I was prepared to be surprised. All right, go. All right. For a secure energy future. Ooh, secure. It's a strategy to reduce the oil we import from around the world and to make our economy stronger at home. Yeah, we got to screw those Canadians. Hey, Canada, we're not taking your oil no more. <laughs> and I'm here at UPS because it's not just the government getting in on the action. <laughs> I love the way he says this. It's like, you just put it in my face. Hey, it's not just the government getting in on the action. You got to, words matter, people. It's unbelievable that he'd say that. He's actually saying it. It's not just we're getting in on the action. <laughs> no, not just that. Getting in on the action. Companies like UPS, FedEx, AT&T, Verizon, and PepsiCo. How, how, where's no agenda? What? what where's, what's PepsiCo got to do with anything? Well, listen up. Firms with some of the largest fleets in the country. They got large fleets. Fleets. The fleets. That's what it's about. They got big fleets. But PepsiCo has zero fleets, by the way. Uh, the bottlers are all local. So that's a lie. Are switching to more efficient vehicles. Mm. And through our Clean Fleets Partnership, 
Driven not by government, but by business. Okay, now, got to listen to this stuff. Our Clean Fleets Partnership, driven not by government, but by businesses, which does not mean government's not in it, not just in it. It may be driven by business, which is usually not a good thing. More companies are going to be switching to electric and alternative vehicles, too. Not out of the goodness of their hearts. No, no. So, is that a clue? Not out of the goodness of their hearts. Well, do you think it's because they want to spend more on fleets? There must be some kind of trick. Because it's good for their bottom line. Yeah, it's good for their bottom line. All right, so... Okay. What? No, no, go on, go on. You're right. They, they, they constri- this guy's giving it all away in his speeches nowadays. Yeah, I mean, I don't know who's writing it, but they're idiots. Okay, so... Uh, <laughs> Anyway, so that, so I go look, Department of Energy, and uh, so the first thing we got to do is we got to go look at the blueprint, and so, you know, I get the, the fact sheet, National Clean Fleets Partnership, okay, uh, what, are the, what are the benefits, and then down there somewhere at the bottom, uh, there's a little note here about the vehicles technology program. Oh, okay, so let's take a look at the vehicles technology program. Prepared by the National Renewable Energy Laboratory, NREL, which is a national laboratory of the U.S. Department of Energy. You've got to follow the, the stream all the way through. And down at the bottom of that page, it says um, it is operated by the Alliance for Sustainable Energy, LLC. Oh, really? So this is part of the, the, gov- the, the non-governmental part. So we go to the Alliance for Sustainable Energy LLC website. Under the current U.S. Department of Energy contract, Alliance for Sustainable Energy LLC, known as Alliance, manages and operates the NREL. Okay, so they're, they're operating a .gov business. Alliance is a limited liability company, of course, in case anyone gets sued, which is equally owned and governed by Battelle and MRI Global. The contract is valued at approximately $1.1 billion, subject to annual appropriations over a five-year period. How come we don't get in on any of these deals? Because <laughs> we don't have a fleet. We need us a fleet. So then you got to go look at all this stuff. And MRI Global, oh, my God. I have a, uh, let me see, MRI Global, who just got a new CEO, by the way, uh, in January, uh, a guy who's been in... Uh, clean up businesses for uh, nuclear for 28 years of his career, total shill, total setup, completely ready. So this is the company that is uh, contracted. Uh, now, they are a, uh, a a non-profit. Doesn't mean that they don't make profit, but it's a non-profit. But you look at the board, you're like, oh, brother. Yeah, every single douchebag is in there from all the companies. But listen to a bit of this MRI Global promo reel which is on their homepage. Yay! We're saving the universe! We're awesome! Listen to my pre-canned music! <laughs> Today, we celebrate. Celebrate! We celebrate our legacy, our heritage, and at the same time, we define our future. Yay! They just changed their name, by the way, to MRI. There's a new rebranding. Everything fits in properly with this announcement. Look around us. Look Look at our shared community. Oh, what do you do in your shared community? We're proud of the contributions of those who have gone before us, Uh whose knowledge, experience, dedication, and commitment have created the abundant successes of our many decades of service. 
We're humbled by the character and integrity that built our core foundation and yet challenges us to live up to ideals more noble and more rewarding than just monetary gain. I mean, than just monetary gain. So, John, this, I mean, this must be the, the, the nicest, bestest, just awesomest organization. They must be nothing but planting flowers and trees and, and making things beautiful for the world. I mean, that's what it sounds like, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Okay. We are world-class scientists, engineers, program managers. We're the leading chemists, biologists, analysts, statisticians. This is the, 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 all the geniuses are here. We are heralded as problem solvers, innovators. I never heard of them. What? Well, hold on. You have. You just don't know it. They were under a different name. Hold on. Customers and partners call on us to focus on and take on some of the most difficult issues facing our planet. We address energy challenges by delivering renewable energy from algae, biomass, wind, solar, and other sources. We envision a bright future by preventing and treating diseases by supporting vaccine development. Okay, so they do renewable algae bullcrap energy. They do uh, vaccines. What else? Development. And by analyzing the safety and toxicity of drugs to treat cancer and AIDS. We protect our troops by designing technology with highly accurate detection of dangerous weapons and explosives. (laughs) Yeah, okay. And by engineering robots for defense. Robots for defense. Using humanoid robots to safeguard troops from chemical and biological weapons. I, I got to stop it here. It just gets wait, worse. Wait, where are these humanoid? <laughs> what is this, a movie trailer? Yeah, exactly. What humanoid robots no, are? They got, just, they got yeah. used to see the video. They got humanoid robots and they, you know, they, someone, there's a guy standing on the sidelines and hits the robot and he, he like doesn't fall over. <laughs> this is billions of dollars being wasted. On scientist jabronis and with a whole board filled with, oh, with just former okay, corporate well, shills. Lay out who they are. Oh, do you really need to know? Well, it starts with this uh, David A. Brockman, who is now the chief energy advisor. And uh, you can't even find this guy's bio anywhere because, it, you know, it, it's it, he must have been doing such evil stuff. But 28 years in the private sector, I'm sorry, we can't we can't actually uh, tell you more about what he uh, what he did. Um, OK, so we have uh, who's this? Uh, CH2M Hill. This is uh, Dan Arvizu. That's a, a huge hundred million dollar. These are just the guys who are working there now. Uh, he comes from a hundred million dollar company. Um, uh, we have Thomas M. Sack, who was running the chemical science division for chemical defense. I mean, what is this? This is, this is, this is, I know, and they, they don't actually do any of this work. They, they dish it out. Uh, we've got, uh, Thomas Fleener, who, uh, was VP of corporate development at Aquila and at Verizon and Arthur Anderson and Procter and Gamble. Then we've got uh, this woman from Oracle. We've got uh, this woman who was at uh, U.S. Bank, Bank of America, Commerce Bank. She's the uh, vice president of corporate human resources. She looks like a humanoid robot, by the way. <clears throat> you know what's I get the biggest? I've seen this. Uh, I was just looking at CH2M Hill. Yeah. And uh, I've seen this. Uh, I was, there was a thing I was going to do on the last show, and I ran into the same exact label from ethosphere.com and I'm just going to ask you a question a real simple one 
Uh, when you're putting up a website and you feel obliged to put up a big sticker, a giant sticker on the front page that said this label says 211 world's most most ethical companies. Does that mean that you're <laughs> does that mean anything to you if you see something like that? Yeah. Why you'd be so concerned that you'd put the sticker on your yeah. site? Yeah, it's like we're in trouble for some reason. We better put an ethical sticker on it, a Band-Aid. All right, go on. All right. So anyway, so what this is is a huge program, billions of dollars for uh, commercial corporate companies. And it's being heralded. And, and right up front, of course, it's all these guys who are going to benefit with huge tax write-offs. And that, that's not in the blueprint because the blueprint is like a press release and the real blueprint isn't there yet. And the, the, the Department of Energy hasn't put all the rules online yet. It's, it's just more money bleeding out of our butts. And the president's he's, Obama's he's, he's, he's worst a, and the worst Republican. He's a, yeah, he is. He's just a pitch man. He's just a pitch man. Uh, uh, hey, don't worry. I'll sell this. Hey, watch this. Hello, everybody. Hey, everybody. <laughs> I, I, I know how to slay. I know how to sell this, man. Don't worry about it. All I got to do is I get him from like from the get go from the from the very from the very minute I'm on my show. Hello, everybody. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Hey, everybody. So uh, if you go to this <laughs> CH2. M Hill uh, main site. Mm-hmm. They had, they're showing all these different. They have a slideshow that goes on, and one of the slides on the show appears to be an oil rig right off the Houses of Parliament in the middle of the Thames. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Is there? Are they building an oil rig in the middle of the Thames? These guys don't give a crap. I'm telling you, they really don't care. They'll do anything they have to. There's people with gas masks, and there's a refinery. And, and they switches to uh, the oil rig in the middle of the Thames. It looks like, I mean, this is being half built. And then they're spraying, with a bunch of people standing a million miles away, they're spraying a Qantas airliner with antifreeze. And then uh, they got a picture of Antarctica. I don't know. I don't get it. Well, I do. And all of it is uh, essentially coming out of your pocketbook. Money we don't have. Maybe part of it's coming from the $33 billion that's been stolen from Libya. But you can guarantee it's, yeah, it's, it's not good for you. I'm going to show my support by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh, yeah, that'd be fab. Yeah, on No Agenda. And we do have a few donors this week. I uh, want to thank them all. And we want to thank everybody who donates any amount of money, by the way. Every bit helps. But let's start with James LePan Jr., Mesa, Arizona, $111.11. Uh, in the morning, uh, John and Adam, here's my monthly donation to my knighthood. This is $111.11 per month. Sorry, it's been a week late. But my dad passed away two weeks ago. Therefore, I had family issues. On my trip to Montana, I found out my mom knew all about Monsanto. So I started propagating the formula. And now I have my brother, brother-in-law, and mom turned on to you. That's a plus three. On my iPod, I listen to shows all the way back to 243. I was wondering if you talk about the concentration camps around the country. You're talking about those FEMA camps. FEMA I know camps. we have we have one in the small town up in the mountain, now re- referred to as a FEMA camp. Yeah. Uh, as of now, the city of Gilbert has invited me to participate in an evacuation of anthrax drill on four two eleven. Oh, and wait, let me guess. He gets to go to the FEMA camp? I don't know. I didn't do it. Can't make it, but have a buddy ready to give me a full uh, sit rep on the goings-on. He'll go and he'll report back. I have a book you might be interested in. For your book club, is called Arrogance by Bernard Goldberg, which is decent uh, i encourage you to read it and if you find it worthy to add to the list uh, and you can we can add that to the list uh, yeah, no agenda th- no agenda book club so thank you very, very much let's go down to uh reuben shad or shad 
in Earlwood, New South Wales, Australia, 6333. Could be shade. Could be Could be shade. Yeah. Salutations, Sir Dvorak and Curry. Great news. I hit my sister Elkie in the mouth recently. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 come here. She's as much a fan of the show as me. Donating for the first time as a 22nd birthday present to her and encourage others to give gifts in this fashion. She was born on the 5th of April. Good year. Yep. Good day, I mean. Yep. Same day as John, which should count for some extra super karma. Keep those dugs flying high and proud. Yeah, let's hit some karma right now. You've got karma. Yeah, she's on the list. Double nickels on the dime from Brett Colbert uh, from Brisbane, Australia. Cheer up, Adam. Uh, couldn't get through the week without you, mate. Yeah, right on. Uh, down one. Hold on. Sir, Sir Greg Stone is next. Yeah, but it's like, no, actually, yeah, Sir Greg Stone, shameless plug, he says, for uh, RoryStone.com, R-O-R-Y-Stone.com, Squarespace from Dvorak Plugs. Karma always welcomed. Well, call, karma always available to you. You've got always. karma. The nights get an infinite amount. Michael in Beaverton, Oregon. Uh, John Allen is my first time donating, but in lieu of a de-douching, I'd oh. like a little help school marketing project. Our project team has chosen to do a project on the beer industry and could use some help from the No Agenda audience with a survey about beer. Go to noagendabeer.com. <laughs> I can just see the teacher going, noagendabeer.com? What is this all about? We'd like to end up with a larger than expected sample size and thought this might be a good way to do it. I'll forward the domain to the No Agenda site when we're done. You know, I Thanks think, the- uh, first of all, I'm going to give you a dedouching regardless <laughs> because you deserve that. You've been dedouched. Um, but I have a feeling that uh, our uh, uh, our audience, there are a lot of beer drinkers in our audience, and they know their beer, by the way. Particularly, we've got the guys down under. They know a lot about their beer. And uh, so they'll get a global audience. That's not a bad idea at all. And he donated to the show. Well, thank you so much. That's great. I could put that on the. I maybe if I when I get back, uh, depending on what his time frame is, I may put that on the uh, on the Twitter feed. Oh wow, that's that'd be huge. That'll pick up a thousand people, easy. Uh, Tanya or Dame Tanya Wyman in New York, uh, double nickels on the dime, requesting karma for a friend Chris, a very smart computer tech that recently moved to the Bay Area and needs a job. Oh, no, no, what a great idea! You've got karma. <laughs> Well, I guess if you're in uh, engineering, computer stuff, uh, right now there's uh, a lot of hiring going on in the Bay Area. That's probably probably a good place to get a job right now. Uh, yeah, it seems so. I, although the, the city of New York seems pretty active. Auden Dragaset. Why do you think I should pronounce that? Yeah, Dragaset. Uh, Bergen. Norway, 55. No, oh, sorry. That was Bergen County. Bergen, uh, Norway. I'm a chemistry student at the University of Bergen. Need a shot of karma. Hope to get a spot for the master's in organic synthesis and medical chemistry. You've got karma. Good man. Um, I was listening to the... uh, A lot of people wishing you a happy birthday. I was listening to the uh, No Agenda Producers Update. I got a podcast. And uh, uh, they were trying to figure out your age. And they figured you're turning 59 on uh, the 5th. Is that correct? Could be. <laughs> Schnorstein. Steen. Schnorstein. Sir Schnor, actually. Uh, out there in the North Pole. Norway. Good man. Our fearless leader sent F-16s to protect stat oils. The Norwegians 
oil companies' investments in Libya. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> they send the F-16, you mean. <laughs> <laughs> can we get that thing started, you think? Oh, I think we can if we try hard enough. That's, okay, your, you that's your Norwegian? <laughs> you, you, you can try starting it. <laughs> My Contact. wife's in the back. I think worst accent ever. Yeah, really? Contact, clear prop. <laughs> <laughs> Do you need the shotgun shell for this, Nora? Yeah, this is really not the right <laughs> shotgun. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> that shows both our age that we understand that one. Uh, well, it's, uh, it's an old gag. <laughs> you want to explain it to the non-aviators? No, no, no. Joseph no. Costello, Pittston, Pennsylvania, uh, doubled, well, actually, 5151, the uh, crazy thing. Uh, this is a special birthday shout-out for my lovely wife, Mary. Her birthday is on the 4th. She is now as old as I am. How does that work? Oh, for the f- next four months, please right. bestow the gift of k- karma upon yes. her. And she's also on the birthday list, of course. You've got karma. Uh, Adam Schmidt and Christopher Lawton, both $50, uh, no explanation. Arnold Reistat, Caldwell, Idaho. Uh, and he writes, John, hi, John and Adam. Please give a shout out for my daughter Katie's fourth birthday, which was yesterday, yep. April 2nd. So yep. karma would also be really appreciated. Yeah, she's on the list. And she needs some karma. Oh, I'm sorry. Here we go. You've got karma. James at freehollowbooks.com in Summerfield, North Carolina. Freehollowbooks.com. Thanks, uh, Jason uh, Petrie of Rock Pe- Springs. Petrie. Petrie. Petrie is in Petri dish of Rock Springs, Wyoming, for supporting the show by purchasing a second No Agenda Free Hollow book. People go to freehollowbooks.com. These things are fantastic. I use one to keep uh, all kinds of things. Your weed. My Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, man, I can't find my book. <laughs> where's my, honey, wink, wink, where's my book? The book gone. The book is gone. Sir John Matthews, Huntersville, North Carolina. Great show, guys. Uh, best show in the universe. The absolute best show anyone does. Oh, he didn't say, I said that. Keep up the great work. Please send my wife, Becky, a shot of karma. And also this karma for freehollowbooks.com as requested. You've got karma. Uh, jo- Jordan Wyatt, uh, Inver- Invercargill, Southland, uh, New Zealand, which is got to be a great place to visit. Adam is absolutely right. All U.S. politicians suck except for Dennis Kucinich. You voted in a guy who cheated on his wife, a moron twice, the black guy, and now a vegan president for 2012. Well, first of uh, all, the, the black guy thing I take offense to because that's, that's very racist of you to say, but what's the vegan thing? I don't know. Who's the vegan? I don't know any vegan for 2012. Oh. But I'd like a Not vilf. Any- we could get a vilf. That would be cool sure about the black guy yeah. um i don't know what he's talking about the vegan is actually dennis kucinich oh he's is he a vegan, vegan oh. oh he's not a vil he's not gonna, not gonna win <laughs> no he's not even chance. running a robin <laughs> yeah, he's uh, running Jordan. away he's running away from people trying to kill him robin durden uh, hoboken new jersey uh, united uh, usa uh, 50 dollars uh, no comment uh, lee donaghy uh from great yarmouth norfolk uh, United Kingdom donation for Adam doing another DSC. Don't leave it again for over a month, dude. Well, dude, you know, we've had the giving levels. Oops, sorry. <laughs> You've got karma. That was premature karmanization. Just... Karma without asking. That's right. 
no, everyone's been supporting the show, and that's been really great. And, uh, and I had the new mic I wanted to try, which uh, still needs – I need a different stand for it because it's uh, rummaging around Can't a little bit. Can't you screw it into a, a boom? Yeah, but it's too too heavy. For the uh, for the it's long story. We need a counterbalance boom. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Counter. That's All what right. I need. A counterbalance boom, precisely. Hey, so, so so that's our list, I guess, right? Yeah, and I want to thank everybody who donated all smaller amounts and everybody in between, and the executive producers once again. And a reminder that uh, uh, unlike uh, your national treasures, the NPR, PBS, or your uh, local uh, state-sponsored uh, media, we uh, who probably do take uh, commercials, I know they do in uh, many of the Gitmo, uh, Gitmo Nation Europe countries, even the government uh, programming runs on, uh, on commercials, partially. Uh, we don't take that, we, uh, and that's why we can speak freely about uh, all of the douchebaggery that's going on and bring you actual news without any type of agenda. And if you'd like to contribute, we would highly appreciate your giving level, whatever that is. Dvorak.org slash N-A. And remember, you can also go to channeldvorak.com or uh, what else? Uh, noagendanation.com and uh, look for the. That's a nice site, by the way. Uh, Eric's done a really nice job on that. That's pretty beautiful. The, uh, no yeah, and eventually Nation. people will be able to put their uh, businesses on there. And I'm still, uh, I'm still looking for... Uh, someone to sponsor the RV for the uh, No Agenda Nation Hot Pockets Across America tour. Surely someone can hook us up with an RV. It doesn't have to be with a huge one. I would like the one where the living room poops out of the side, uh, but we'll uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll promote whoever can uh, can hook us up with that, and it'll be great for the show and get to meet all the producers, and we'll create a great book of this fantastic Gitmo Nation, and it'll be a lot of fun. So we're still looking for that. And uh, let's do this for a second here, Joe. Shade or Shada or Shad uh, wishes his sister Elke a very happy birthday on the same day uh, as uh, my companion and friend uh, Johnson Dubarak was born 5th of April. She'll be turning 22. Very close in age there as well. Uh, Joseph Costello says happy birthday to his wife Mary. It's her birthday tomorrow on April 4th. And Arnold Reistat, uh's daughter Katie turns uh, turned four on April 2nd. Happy birthday to all of you from your buddies here at the No Agenda Show. It's your birthday, yeah. And we have uh, a night, John. So uh, did no, you? Hang on. How'd you yeah, get I it? did. I, I've, I had to ship it separately. I was going to say you couldn't get that past uh, the TSA. It's impossible. Stephen van der Hava or Vanderhave or however they pronounce it here in the Gitmo Nation United States. Stephen, please step forward. We highly appreciate your uh, giving level as you have now uh, completed the $1,000 required for a knighthood, which means a ring will be on its way for you. But of course, we have a spot for you here at the round table as we now pronounce the Sir Stephen van der Hava, Knight of the Noah John Roundtable. Have a seat, my friend. Hookers and blow. Rent Boys Cabernet. It's all here just for you. I love me a good nighting. Hello? What are you oh. doing? You calling room service? That was pretty funny. <laughs> what are you doing? I didn't come in so loud. I, I was moving my mic stand, which you've seen pictures of, yeah. around, and I bumped the phone, and it came off the hook. Okay. I don't know why it would be so noisy. Uh, You know, um... Again, I'm thinking that there must be people listening to the show, which I'm kind of liking, because all of a sudden I'm seeing the Daily Mail, I'm seeing all kinds of mainstream media picking up on this brainwave scramble thing. 
you know, where we've been we've been highlighting and and been getting a lot of flack, by the way. We say, hey, look, these people are, you know, they, they all of a sudden they they talk backwards, and then you know, it's like, oh man, it's a medical condition. No, 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 no. This is not. This is this 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 is happening one after another, and there's something going on. And it turns out this happened to uh, radio host Ian Punnett or Punnett. Uh, he's on. Uh, I don't know. He's on one of these radio satellite networks, and he was on uh, promoting uh, on Coast to Coast AM. And someone sent me a clip, but the same thing happened to him. So uh, we now have, this is the, including Judge Judy, which we don't have any uh, audio or video from yet. This yeah, I know the, somebody has to have had recorded that from the studio. No, it's recorded, definitely. And someone's got a copy somewhere. If not, they'll be spinning it off and you better be giving it to us. So listen to, <laughs> what's the guy's name? George, whatever, from uh, Coast to Coast AM? I get his name. Uh, George Nori. Nori, right. He, he like, it was almost like because you know, it's funny because you. I think that we're not George Norrie's the one. George Norrie's no, the no, one. No, 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 not George Norrie. He, he has okay. he has one of the hosts from the network on promoting his show. And what I think is we need to pay more attention to this because it's it's interesting. You actually and I played it as the opening of uh, uh, last week's show. You actually did this at the end of the donation segment last week, and I didn't even hear it. I didn't even pick up on it. And of course, I was you know out of my mind. But I, don't, I think a lot of people just aren't hearing how many uh, news readers and television personalities might actually be, be being brain scrambled. Listen to this guy. Okay, next hour we'll take your phone calls with Nick Redfern as we talk about one of Ian Punnett's favorite subjects, cryptozoology. Hey, Ian, double duty this weekend, huh? Exactly. Oh, thank you. Were you watching any of the, uh, any of the soccer action? Yeah, I did in glimpses, but I'm more uh, fascinated with Paul the Octopus. Yeah. He's he's picked Spain over the Netherlands, and he's not wrong. So you know, off we go. Well, I just, it was one of those little main surprises. We walk in the house; it looked like a one great big room, and then you could break it up like that. And so he already talks kind of unintelligible, but this is still normal. Here it comes. Each one could have its own separate heat, and I think, wow, that's you know, that's. And I thought, is this ever going to get a driveway? And that depends. Did he threaten the Hoover? You know, does he, has he not put away the dishes? <laughs> and and of us, people will keep doing. Just keeping that shirt off. There's no any reason at all to get it off. Uh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. He's not listening. It's like he's like he's like, hey, baby, yeah, tickle it over there. Yeah, that's nice. Right there. That's where I want. It. Yeah, yeah, Ian. Exactly. Whatever. <laughs> Listen to the guy. Ow. He's like he's like uh, in the Hoover and on the driveway and uh. each one could have its own separate heat. And I think, wow, that's you know that's. Uh, I thought, is this going to really get a driveway? And that depends. Did he threaten the Hoover? You know, does he, has he not put away the dishes? And and of us, people will keep doing, just keeping that shirt off. There's no any reason at all to get it off. Uh, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Ian Punnett, this Saturday and Sunday on Coast to Coast Day uh, What the hell did Ian just say? Exactly. <laughs> Whatever. Exactly. Wow. So we, <laughs> That's we, a beauty. Yeah, we missed that one, apparently. But... Uh, <laughs> by the way, by the way, for people out there, it's pronounced cryptozoology. Yeah, not zoology. No, that was. Remember, we used to harp on that. We had an actual zoologist say he was a zoologist. We no, we, we had a clip of somebody yeah. claiming to yeah. be a, yeah. a, a zoologist, yeah. and it was like, okay, not really. But um, oh, this is probably too long. Well, it's not that long. Uh, the program Nova. Uh, it, this and now people are sending me tons and tons of clips about what magnetic uh, forces do to your brain. Nah, nah, I don't want to play. It's too boring. Uh, but oh, you, come on. Really? It's not. Uh, eh, nah, it's boring. Okay. But, 
know, they have all these, it's always a TV host, interestingly enough. And you're like, well, you know, we went to see what would happen. And they, they put a magnet near the guy's head and he starts talking like that, like a babbling idiot. So really? Yeah. Yeah. And they can make your, you know, this, like could, be, this could be like a fun ride at the uh, amusement park. <laughs> I don't know if it's good for you. I have a feeling it may not be that good. But, you know, they, apparently they have it all mapped out so they know exactly where different functions are in the brain. And on this Nova episode, link in the show notes, NovaGendashow.com or SeanHannity.com. And <laughs> you know, you, I don't think you should be using that. <laughs> I like it until it, until we get the cease and desist. I want to keep using it. Shutupslaves.com. Um, hey. You know, they literally say, okay, I'm going to make your thumb twitch. And then the guy puts the magnet over it. It's a big electromagnet. And he puts it over a certain head of his brain. The guy's thumb starts to twitch. So this is, this is like pretty well, this is science that they've, they know about. They know how to do this stuff. Hmm. That's, it's pretty, I think it's all highly interesting. Now I have a, um, a couple other uh, couple other things. I have an end of show clip, which is another Russia Today. Beautiful. We're not at the end of the show yet, but uh, it's uh, titled MSNBC's Love Affair with Wars, which is great. I'm telling you, these guys are so on to to hammering everybody. This Russia Today, and <laughs> and then on our show, so they got so they got Tom Hartman on this thing now. Thong. You know the. Thom. Yeah. yeah, Thom's on the thing, and he's he looks he seems to have lost weight. Mm-hmm. He looks like he's something's he looks disturbed and he bugs his eyes out now. It's like it freaks you out when you see it. Uh I would recommend everybody to watch. And we have a uh, this is just a short one. We have, <laughs> we have a new you know, this uh we didn't even talk about this last week. So so I apparently because there was so much uh, flack about the radiation coming from the naked body scanners. They hired some jabroni dudes bag uh, to basically rewrite the press release, and, uh, and and then they do the exact same thing. They don't actually measure the devices. They're saying, well, what the devices emit, as you know, as per the not, the manufacturer doesn't even say it. It's just what uh, no one's actually measured the devices. He goes through the whole thing, you know, the whole banana thing, the whole radiation thing. Uh, now, we know from congressional hearing that the devices don't, don't work, work. Don't work. But now we have a, a new term, a scientific term, for the amount of radiation that is coming off of these devices, John. Can you guess what it is? No, but I'm sure it's going to make me an- annoyed. 53 minutes past the hour right now. We're talking about those full-body X-ray scanners in airports. Of course, they've been a center of controversy, but also a source of concern for a little while as the debate shifted from the privacy issues to any potential health risks. Well, now a new report by researchers from the University of California finds that although passengers are exposed to some radiation, they shouldn't be too concerned. Now, now so I, I actually linked to this, uh, this these researchers... And they haven't. They did not do any research. They literally just rehash all the same BS. I mean, literally did not research the machines. But even the Wall Street Journal was printing this research. Oh, study shows. Oh, shut up, slave. Well, here it comes. Here's the technical term for the amount of radiation coming out of the naked body scanners. Senior medical correspondent Elizabeth Cohen joins us live from Atlanta with details. So we know that you're you're, you're getting a, a dose of radiation. I guess because they were a small, small dose, but. Uh, do they know exactly how much is in these machines and what the effect is? They do. And so what these researchers did is they looked at what the dose of radiation you get is, and they tried to put it into terms that regular people can understand. And so I'm going to use a term they didn't use, but they basically say that the amount of radiation you get is teeny-weeny-weeny. Weeny. There you go. 
Oh, no. <laughs> that is disgusting. Teeny weeny weeny, John. It's it's teeny weeny weeny. I'm the senior medical correspondent. All right, here it comes. Teeny weeny weeny. They looked at what the dose of radiation you get is, and they tried to put it into terms that regular people can understand. And so I'm going to use a term they didn't use, but they basically say that the amount of radiation you get is teeny weeny weeny. <laughs> this is like, well, how much more insulting do these people have to get before the public gets outraged? It's, forget it. No, no, no. See, that was my, that was my. Uh... That was my meltdown last week. No, no. I'm just sticking to the people who listen to the show, and I'm happy that we have them. <laughs> that's, so, that's so all we, we went, need. <laughs> so uh, uh, Jay, myself, and uh, Mimi went through SFO uh, a couple days ago to right. come to New York, right? Right. So we're going you know, to be confronted with the, uh, the, the body scanners. So what do you think happened? They weren't, they weren't in use. No. Oh no! Even more interesting. Well, you opted out. They took them out. They're gone. They were gone. There wasn't any scanners there. SFO. They were the first ones to have them. They and not. Well, this is the main part of United where everybody goes in. Yeah. And there was not a scanner to be seen. Wow. So they're so it's all just magnometers now. Yeah. Wow. They, so they're completely they gone. Aban- I mean, they, yeah, they weren't abandoned or they weren't on the side. No, they weren't. They weren't there. Huh. Yeah, I found that weird, too. That's very weird. I mean, aren't we under imminent terrorist uh, threat? Uh, aren't the terrorist, terrorists are, uh, about to attack at any minute? Aren't we under complete lockdown? See something, say something? I mean, come on. This is like... See something, say something. I mean, we need to call the number. Yeah, I've noticed that the uh, naked body scanners are gone. I, I, need, I, I need to say something about that. I don't need to. He's saying it on the show, though. They'll pick it up. Wow. Good Which news. I, I, no, sorry. I, I just want to congratulate SFO for having common sense. Yeah, right. Well, you know, I'm sure that something bad is coming back. One of those humanoid things that MRI Global is making. Uh, good news uh, from Clifford Stanley, Defense Department spokeshole. Hey, don't ask, don't tell. Repeal should be ready by the summer. And I don't believe that to be true because... Oh, that's a good We should make a pool. Yeah, okay, so here's how you know it can't be true. Um, so they're doing this training, and they have to uh, have to train everybody, you know, not to say stuff like, hey, faggot. You know, that's basically what... <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, this is here's your training manual. Well, we did some of these things. Like, if you see two people kissing, off-duty and out of uniform, and they're of the same sex, do you, A, say something, B, shut up, B, join in? Well, that would be C, actually. So roughly 200,000 service members, or 9% of the total force, which I find interesting by itself because the Defense Department has not been able to actually say how many people they have on the, in the armed forces, have been trained on how to handle the repeal. So they have uh, 91% left to go, and they're going to do that in two months? Yeah, I don't think so. Mm. I don't think so. But, you know, you're right. Let, let's take the pool. Let's see. What do you think? You think this year, John, you think they'll actually do it this year? No. No, I don't think so either. I think it's. I think we'll have to hear one of these, like, it's very difficult, you know, with everyone moving off and shipping them out. And, you know, we've got all the camps now in Libya. You know, we just we just can't be dealing with that right now. We're way too we busy. More, important things, to more important things to do, like protecting your security. I think that's that's what it'll be. I don't see any other any other way. Uh, I was watching. I was watching the McLaughlin Group this morning, oh, and I was God. 
talking about and they would and they, somebody did drop the bomb which is one of the things that uh we talked about on a previous show the potential for the you know to get us to get feet on the ground in libya they have to attack us literally and so uh, we talked about the false flag possibility. Somebody dropped the uh, bomb on the show, said, you know, well, you know, the thing is now he's going to be mad at us. Uh, he's going to be mad at us, and then he's going to go back to his old terrorist ways. <laughs> he's going to bring a plane next, down. Next thing you know, we're going to be under attack. Yeah. So you got to got to do that. You got to bring this into the public consciousness slowly. Well, no, it's not just slowly. We're already getting people a little worried again about airplanes. You know, we had the huge gaping hole appear in the Southwest uh, 737. Uh, yeah, that's uh, gaping holes appearing in airplanes seems odd. Yeah, well, you know, the, I think it was maybe CNN was saying, oh, it could have been a meteorite. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> a meteorite. Literally, it's like meteorite, possible meteorite strike. I don't know. I mean, I do know that if like that uh, that flight that that got shot at in Charlotte, if you're shooting holes in the top of the plane, yeah, that's a good place for structural damage to take place. Maybe someone shot through it first. Maybe it's one of those. Yeah, maybe. And this is weird, but that's all you know. Like trains, good planes, bad. Woo woo. So uh, good game, by the way. Some people might want to get a copy of this new game, or I don't know how new it is, but it's out. Uh, board game. I think it's a. <laughs> It might be a board game, maybe a real game. I'm not sure. It's from Z-Man Games. Pandemic. No, it's a, it's on, it's a real it's on game. Sale. Yeah. It's on sale over there at uh, Amazon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that's just groovy. <laughs> yeah. If you don't like the new version of Monopoly, which is pretty lame, uh, which uses electronic money, so you can, if you're really good, the way you cheat now, in the, the old Monopoly game, you know, you used to have to, like, uh, point at something to your kids and turn around and you'd steal some of their money. Yeah, exactly. That's... <laughs> That's the old way. Take a house. Hey, I'm- the new way is you hack the computer and then you steal the electronic money. <laughs> oh man, yeah, there was some more vaccine noobs. Um, yeah, let's see. Uh, pandemic, of course, is what you just mentioned there. Uh, Colombian scientist uh, discovers how to prevent infectious diseases forever. You know, this, these guys keep cropping up all the time. They're just trying to get it out there. Uh, but the uh, the one that really blew what? me what? Wait a minute, let's back up a couple of notches. All of the, how does that work? Colombian scientist Manuel Elkin Pataroyo has from Colombia. Yes, so he worked. He's gotten sick of finding different ways to synthesize cocaine. Well, he's, whoa, yeah, there you All go. Right. Exactly that it has discovered the chemical properties which will permit the creation of synthetic vaccines to prevent virtually all the existing infectious diseases of the world. You're right. It was probably a synthetic Coke guy. He said, uh, eh, I know how to do that. Why can't I apply it to something else? Hmm. We'll see. So I, I guess the idea is whatever the infectious disease is, he can rebuild it within seconds and then make a vaccine out of it. Is that the idea? Uh, it's what it so- kind of sounds like that. What was the drug that was against restless leg syndrome? Remember that we had the commercial? Yeah. And yeah, I don't a- remember the drug, but it was something stupid. Right, but the, you know, apparently you don't need the drug. <laughs> well, that we knew from the beginning. <laughs> no, but I mean, <laughs> yeah. But they've, uh, here it is. Uh, RLS, as is known, restless leg syndrome. Uh, they have now... <laughs> Hold on a second. Apparently, masturbating uh, makes your restless leg syndrome uh, go away. 
That's that's no, that's funny. Yeah, and it's uh, but yeah, it's an April first, obviously. It's uh, oh, yeah. but that's what New Scientist did. I thought it was pretty funny. I thought it was good. I, I read your a, a April first column. I'm like, really, John? Facebook being bought by the Chinese and the Indians? Really? I was believable. No, I mean. Y- y- Everything except the whole idea of Facebook being bought by the Chinese and the Indians. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I got the email asking me if I was oh, serious. Was this a true story? Please, I'm just saying. I, I you can, you can't be as outrageous as you think. I mean, you can be. I mean, you can be as outrageous as you want to be if you just play it straight. People will believe the story. I've done April Fool's gags for uh, I don't know thirty years. I've done, I always had one every year. I've done one. Uh, this happened to be an April Fool's column right on the first. It was perfect, so I did it. And I played the thing as straight as I could. There's a bunch of tells in there, obviously. I put as many as I yeah, can. Yeah, like the whole Facebook being bought by the Chinese <laughs> and India thing. Yeah, that would be the big tell for like $700 billion. Right, John? Excellent. Duh. I'm telling you, I got emails. Is, you, is this right? Yeah. From, did they have an AOL.com email address that these were coming from? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. All right. Uh, let me go to Gitmo Nation down under. Um, there is uh, uh, an excellent program, and I just want to play this because, I mean, we don't have guests on this show, but I could only imagine if we did, it would be. And this is actually under the uh, heading of... Uh, So we've been tracking for a while now the uh, the carbon taxes that are uh, going to be implemented in uh, in Gitmo Nation down under, and this of course is, has everyone up in arms mainly because uh, the uh, the new prime minister there the uh, crazy lady what's her name Gillard uh, she said yeah duh, we're not going to have any carbon taxes and then you know she gets in office like hey it's time for some carbon taxes and apparently it's going to be like seven hundred billion so these two guys on uh, melbourne radio station mtr 1377 steve price and andrew bolt who are uh, both deniers uh, and have been denounced by the left as being deniers so it's kind of like the adam and john of down under uh, only we're much prettier they uh, get the government's chief climate uh, scaremonger on the phone his name is tim flannery and according to uh, Steve Fisher, who is our uh, our producer who sent this clip to me, guy's a complete shill, constantly refers to himself as being independent, uh, but he is also the architect of Gillard's carbon tax. And he's, uh, of course, his job is, you know, he's a spokeshole. He's supposed to convince everybody that we have to uh, actually uh, pay carbon taxes to save the world. And these guys have done something, which I and I just want to play the whole clip, and I will not interrupt. We should just shut up and listen to it. It is so good that this needs to be done in America. And anybody can do this. All you have to do is confront these elitist pricks who are trying to steal your money with the actual data. And they do it to this guy, to this Tim Flannery. And he, and, and he just can't, he can't get out of it. And they completely make such a beautiful point. Have a listen to this. Just trying to get basic facts without worrying about the consequences of what those facts might lead people to think. On our own, if by cutting our emissions, because it's a heavy price to pay by five uh, percent by 2020, what will the world's temperatures fall by as a consequence? 
look, it will be a very, very tiny increment. And in fact, have you got a number? I mean, you know, there must be well, some I numbers. Just, I just need to clarify in terms of the climate context for you. If we cut emissions today, global temperatures are not likely to drop for about a thousand years. Right. No, no, but uh, I just want to get to this very basic fact. You know, I'm finding it really curious. No, I'm finding it really curious that no one has got a fact. You know, if I buy a car, I pay the money, I want to know how much it costs, and I want to know if it's going to do the job. In this case, I want to know the cost of cutting our emissions by 5% by 2020, and will it do the job? How much will the world's temperatures fall by? if Australia cuts its emissions by this much? Well, look, as I said, it'll be a very, very small increment. The can you give us a rough figure? A rough I, figure. I'm sorry, I, I can't because it's a very complex system and we're dealing with probabilities here. And Will we I talk said, about... Can, I, I'm just trying to get the facts in front of the public so we know what we're doing. Um, just, just unbiased. Is it about, I don't know, are you talking about a thousandth of a degree, a hundredth of a degree? What sort of rough figure? Look, as, if, just let me finish and say this, that if the world as a whole cut all emissions tomorrow, the average, the average temperature of the planet's not going to drop for several hundred years, perhaps as much as a thousand years, right? Because the system is overburdened with CO2 that has to be absorbed, and that only happens slowly. That doesn't seem so, a good deal. <laughs> what's that, Joy? That doesn't seem a good deal. If we spend trillions of dollars to cut the world's emissions, that we won't notice the difference. Uh, well, our great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren won't even notice It'll the difference. It'll keep getting worse if we don't. That's the problem. But I just want to get back to the facts because someone surely must have done the sums, and I'm looking at some sums here. Someone surely must have done the sums that for all these billions of dollars we're spending in programs, that it's going to have a consequence in terms of the cutting the world's temperatures. So you don't know about Australia, you don't know, but you wouldn't dispute that it's in about a thousandth of a degree around that magnitude, right? Going to, it's going to be small. As I said, if we no, no, tomorrow globally... Hard facts, Tim, hard facts. For a long time. But um, this is a hard fact. It's not going to drop, right, for a long time. So okay. it's not going to drop and it's not going to be anything we notice. All right, well, look, you well, said it's about getting the world on board, all right? Let's say the world follows our lead by how much, by, say, 2,100 then, 2,100, will the spending of these trillions, by how much will that cut the world's temperatures to the nearest one thousandth of a degree it's not going to drop for hundreds of years <laughs> these guys are awesome wow where'd you get that clip i just told you uh, from stephen fisher our producer oh, in uh, in melbourne this is from uh, uh mtr 1377 and then they go on and they like talk about all these scientists who uh um who who denounce the whole idea of uh of of CO2, global warming, climate disruption, etc. And the guy's like, well, the, I, I wouldn't discredit him. Well, him neither. Well, well, you know, he, I, I, yeah, it's just, it just goes on and on. These guys are great. Awesome. I can't wait to meet these guys when we go visit. Really good. And this is like the main guy. And they're just saying, okay, so what is it? Well, we won't see any change for a thousand years. Well, that doesn't seem like a good deal. For trillions of dollars, especially when the Indians aren't going to do anything. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a good deal. We've had that clip on a few times. You know, the Indians have already just said, no, we're not doing it. Whatever it is, you go do it yourself. But does that mean, conversely, John, that if we just keep on trucking the way we go, that we won't actually see anything really bad happen for another thousand years? Or does it not work that way? Well, let me take a, let me take a, uh, well, it, well, the way they put it, yeah, that's what, exactly what would happen. But let me just ask you a question. Do you believe in peak oil? Me, no. I think abiotic oil is much more likely. I don't think we're running out of oil at all. 
Well, if you ask most people who are, yeah, yeah, this, who are this, this, this is what I told you. But okay, you're you're playing it back to me. I like it. Go yeah, ahead. No, I do. I was playing it back to you on purpose. You were yeah. supposed to. You were supposed to. Yeah, pick no, it I'm, up. right. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Let me let me put it differently. Yeah, man. We're totally, we're running out of oil. We need to figure out some way to, like, get some other kind of energy. You know, like from the sun or the wind or, or batteries or something. You know, like double Ds because, you know, peak oil, man, peak oil. In the 70s, we already ran out of the oil. Well, then what's to worry about? <laughs> well, exactly. That, that's what they should have asked. Although we know that uh, even our guy, our chief, uh, our spokes hole, what's his name? Uh, the scientist guy, is it Holdren? Holgren? Holdren? I don't know. Yeah, he's like he's he's like oh, no no no. Let's not talk about Ixnay on the Ikpay oil pay. And talk about that because yeah, well, he's the only guy that has a clue. So you yeah. got to give a guy like that credit for picking up on stuff like that. Yeah, this was really good. So I really like these two guys. Uh, who is it? Steve Price and Andrew Bolt. <clears throat> Fantastic. Yeah, but the whole clip kid, you could put on the show notes. Yeah, no, I've, uh, absolutely. I'll uh, put it in the show notes. And congratulations to Gitmo Nation Brussels Sprouts, uh, as you now uh, are officially have a world record for the country uh, left without a fully functioning government, longest uh, period ever. And uh, on Tuesday, hundreds of students gathered in squares around the country for their Révolution de Frites in protest of uh, this atrocity. So, they're so uh, did the gut Dutch ever have a uh, put a government together? Yeah, yeah, they got a government. Well, I mean, pff, call it a government. Yeah, they got a government. Sure. Well, then I have to ask the question: How would you know? <laughs> right. It's just uh, pop up videos. The whole web is being destroyed. Get my nation leprechaun. Uh, our friends there in Ireland. Uh, of course, the IMF uh, and the European Union and uh, the World Bank, you know, they've, <clears throat> they're, uh, they've made uh, Ireland their bitch along with Greece. And something new is being introduced within the coming year, uh, property tax for all homeowners. As if it wasn't great enough, now you have to pay property tax, which I guess they didn't have previously. Mm. I'm sorry to hear that for you guys. Yeah, it totally sucks if you never had it. Yeah. You know, first is you got to have you got your sales tax, you got your property tax, you got your fees, yeah. You got your income tax, you got your state income tax, you got your local your federal income tax, and you've got uh, now, of course, they want to do a value added tax in the United States, which is just another tax. Duh. We're being taxed to death. Yep. And there's corporate tax on top of that, which the public has to pay for because let's face it, they tax a corporation thirty five percent. Where who pays that thirty five percent in the end? Yeah, we do, of course. Yeah, so everything you buy is 35% on top of everything you're paying tax on. So in other words, what you do is you take a corporate product, so it would have been a dollar, and you would have paid like 5% uh, sales tax on it, which would have been a buck oh five. But because it's, the company has to pay 35% income tax on the product, they actually now have to sell for not a dollar, but a buck 35. So the 5% income, the 5% sales tax actually goes up. So you double dip <laughs> on this deal. And then now they figure, well, let's just make it 10%. So now you're paying 13 cents instead of, instead of uh, a nickel for the same item. And don't forget you're paying tax on, ex, on excise for uh, gasoline. So you're paying tax yeah, on tax. Like, I mean, we're pay- probably paying, I'd say, I mean, if you really look, if you really 
I wish somebody would dig deeper than they do. I mean, I've seen a bunch of these things showing that we're paying yeah, like we, tr- we had someone actually try to to figure out what we're. I, mean, I think yeah, we are paying fifty percent. Yeah, I think we're paying more tax in the United States than anywhere else in the world. It just doesn't come in the form of the in- income and tax. And what's annoying se. to me is I we saw it. We were actually the we went to see a comedy act, and some guy went on bragging about how great it was to be an American because we have the lowest taxes in the world. What what planet is this guy from? Yeah. Okay. Um, you have to go to a show, I believe. Uh, by the way, they just walked in with the tickets. Okay. So uh, Spider Man. Oh, good, good. I hope someone yeah. uh, falls. And I hope you get because that's it's, that's why you're going. You just want to see someone fall. No, uh, no. I mean, in fact, in, this morning on New York One, they were talking. They were just the meme in New York is that this may be the biggest bust in the history of Broadway. Really? That bad, huh? So it was well, so what, it was it was easy to get tickets apparently. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> it's like and they were this guy's on the hey man, I'll give you a Spider Man ticket for a smoke. You got a cigarette? You got a cigarette? I got Spider Man tickets. Hey, hey. <laughs> we'll right. see. I'll let you know. Right. Some people said it's it's great entertainment, but well, it's great. Uh, well, we'll get a review. We'll get a review and uh, we'll look forward to that. Uh, let me uh, run through some magic numbers before you go there, John. Uh Vodafone uh, has bought out thirty three percent of Vodafone SR for five billion dollars cash. Um, Times of India, 211 candidates in fray for only 33 seats. Of course, we had the budget deal, $33 billion in cuts. We have uh, Google now with 33% of the smartphone market. And the stink bug academic is now in 33 states. And uh, I have to say my favorite, 33 archdiocesan priests accused but not named. That's actually a pretty big story, which uh, is sad once again. And uh, it's funny, I, uh, I, I tweeted a link uh, about that, and I got some emails from priests who said, hey, man, it's not, it's like, it's not, it's not everyone. We're not all bad. And uh, they, apparently, if you have a collar on these days, you're walking around, you get assaulted. People like, get really pissed off, and they you know, pull knives on priests. Which I hadn't really considered, but I guess, yeah, you know, well, look at your PR. You know, you might want to do something about that. Just, um, maybe just a thought there. And uh, a reminder, noagendanewsnetwork.com is where you can uh, keep up to date on all things happening around Gitmo Nation. Looking for contributors, send me an email, adamcurry.com. Uh, put in the subject line, noagendanewsnetwork. If you've got a cool domain name, which is a little uh, <coughs> less typing, we'd be happy to see some forwards for that as well. And remember, we have the uh, end-of-show clip coming up. MSNBC's love affair with wars, as reported by Russia today. Quite funny, but quite true. And I miss you, John. I miss you back at home base. It's kind of tough with the Skype connection sucks and... Yeah, well, I'll be back on Thursday, and I'll have a review of Spider-Man and more. (laughs) Yay! And I guess we might have some news on some shysters. We always have news on shysters. And remember to support the show, Dvorak.org slash NA, ChannelDvorak.com slash NA, or um, NoAgendaNation.com. NoAgendaShow.com for all the show notes. Coming to you from Gitmo Nation West, the People's Republic of Southern California. In the morning, I'm Adam Curry. And from Gitmo Nation Glassy Buildings, I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll talk to you again on Thursday, and we'll be here regular time, 9 a.m. Gitmo Nation West, on your No Agenda. by many to be the most liberal of all cable networks, MSNBC.
pro-Obama. It is clear that it matches what he said about that issue at the very start of his presidency. Pro-union. The conservative right in this country, they say you're nothing but a bunch of freeloaders. That's what they say. And also, unmistakably, pro-war. Blogger, filmmaker, and former journalist Danny Schechter says television makes war possible. We couldn't have wars in America if TV networks didn't glorify them in some way and make them exciting and give action-oriented coverage, what I call militainment. Iraq. Afghanistan. And now... Yes, the U.S. involvement in Libya. Let's get it done. Let's arm these rebels. Let's give them a chance to fight. A sentiment also supported by MSNBC's most liberal talk show hosts, Rachel Maddow and Lawrence O'Donnell. It seems to me there's a practical, war-making, tactical uh, success that they believe they could have in this particular country. Exactly. He kept describing himself as sort of acutely aware of the risks and the costs of America doing any sort of military intervention. And so you're exactly right. I think we have to do it. It is a moral decision at this point. You so you might be thinking, well, that's just because the U.S. involvement in Libya falls under a democratic president. But as it turns out, MSNBC has had a long-standing love affair with war. Remember Ashley Banfield? Oh my God, look behind us please. She became a star reporter covering the World Trade Center attacks. But in 2003, she made a speech at Kansas State University, just as the war in Iraq was getting started. She said about the coverage, what didn't you see? You didn't see where those bullets landed. You didn't see what happened when the mortar landed. A puff of smoke is not what a mortar looks like when it explodes, believe me. There are horrors that were completely left out of this war. MSNBC refused to let her out of her contract, but kept her off air, thus muzzling her. It happened, too, with former independent governor Jesse Ventura. CNN, MSNBC, and Fox got in a bidding war for me. MSNBC won. Then a phone call asking if it was true that he didn't support the war in Iraq. Well, it turned out they wouldn't put me on the air. They paid me for all three years. They pulled my show, and I sat and collected paychecks, and I couldn't say anything because my contract said I couldn't do any cable nor any news shows for three years. So, too, did Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Peter Arnett after giving this interview on Iraqi TV. America is reappraising the battlefield, delaying the war maybe a week in, in rewriting the war plan. The first war plan has failed because of Iraqi resistance. When MSNBC was still up and coming, its highest rated show was hosted by this man, Phil Donahue, an outspoken critic of the war. You know, you know, we're all now, everybody's righteous. What a terrible Hitler this is. We were mute when he was doing that. He was our SOB. I mean, Absolutely. And now and we're sending our sons well, and daughters I, to war to fix that mistake. So it doesn't seem fair to me. That show was canceled a few weeks before the war started. Phil Donahue was an anti-war voice on MSNBC, one of the cable news channels. And a memo that was leaked as the Donahue show was canceled is very explicit. It said, we don't want this to be a face of NBC as the United States goes into war. Looks like to stay on board, you need to sound more like this.
Look, I am a liberal, I am a progressive, but that means that we need to stand behind people who want freedom. This isn't Bush talk. This is totally different from Iraq. It's totally different from any other situation. Christine Frizzell. Squirrel. Dvorak.org slash N-A.